Hello, and thank you for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Andy and Masha. And this week, we're talking about Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy is a 1997 romantic comedy drama written and directed by Kevin Smith and starring Ben Affleck, Joey Lauren Adams, and Jason Lee. And this film is about a guy who goes to a club and then <laughs> hightails it when he finds out his chick is gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is not what I thought this movie was going to be about <laughs> at all. <laughs> I figured I would let uh, Kevin Smith's own dialogue Describe the plot because that was right out of the movie. Oh, is it was? Oh. <laughs> is it was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Kevin Smith. Interessant. Oh, I have yeah. so many questions about this guy. Yeah, this uh, this is going to be an interesting one. Um, but just to start it all off, this was my pick for our romantic comedy February Valentine's Day choice mm-hmm. after you go in with Greece. It was a lot of searching to try to pick what, uh, what I was going to go with. I was so curious what you were going to pick. Yeah. I mean, you know, in general, romantic comedies isn't really my go-to genre. So at at first, I was pretty ignorant of just like, I don't think I like any romantic comedies. And then I started (laughs) looking up lists of like the best of all time. And then I was able to cobble together like seven or eight that I actually loved that I could have used on this. Right. But a lot of them were not super recent movies, but stuff that I did kind of fall in love with in the last like 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I just decided to since this is the first one we're ever doing as a podcast, to go with the movie that I actually did love as a teenager when I first saw it, when I was a lot younger. And I don't know, I feel like we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. (laughs) So I I, uh, decided to go with this. Nice. So as I mentioned, this movie was released in 1997. It was made on a minuscule budget Mm -hmm. of $250,000. Really? Yeah. And raked in $12 million at the end of its uh, uh, theater run. So it was a pretty big hit for Miramax. Is this a pattern for Kevin Smith to do these low-budget movies and have them take in so much profit? At one point in his life. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Not so much anymore. Right. Um, But yeah, so it's a little... There's not a huge story behind this one, but it is pretty interesting the way it went down. Um, Kevin Smith, for people who don't know, is no stranger to talking on a microphone. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was one of the early people in the days of podcasts podcasting who helped make it popular just by like he was like oh my god i can talk but even before that he used to release these dvds of collections of his speaking engagements at colleges it was called the first one was called an evening with kevin smith it's like four and a half hours long but it's filled with hilarious stories that's probably the best one he ever made stories about just his uh, film industry and making the movies like it's basically q and a's it's just a bunch of college q and a's but because he's such a crazy storyteller, it ended up being very funny. Like not not like stand up, but funny in a way where they're kind of like we were watching a funny person tell you crazy stories. Right. Kevin Smith just always has been candid as all hell, probably to the detriment of his own career and friendships. Of like you know he'll just tell any story about anybody. Oh, he's not I really see. one of those like oh I'm on the inside, so I'm gonna keep it hush hush as you would normally do. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not like salacious things, but like embarrassing things. That it's more like that. You know, it's it's not like he's out there like telling crimes, but. If, if you do something embarrassing or he has an embarrassing moment, he usually tells it on stage. If it makes a great story. Yeah. 
And oh, I think- is he like that guy in Parks and Rec that Leslie was dating who just like did it for the story? Oh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you, that's the vibe I'm getting That's here. hilarious. <laughs> if you listeners can't tell by her reference to an almost 10-year-old show, uh, we are n- currently in the middle of watching Parks and Rec for the first time for Masha. <laughs> I remember things. <laughs> it's just funny you brought up like an obscure character from season two. So oh. like you're clearly watching it right now. That's not... <laughs> Nobody remembers Justin later on after the show. After eight, nine years of the show. I think the reason the first one was also so impactful because it was pre the internet being what it is now. It came out 2002, the first DVD. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was internet, but not the way, not like now. There was no podcast. And so, you know, you didn't really hear him talk that much. And he literally played a character called Silent Bob. So you really didn't hear him talk in the movies. Right. So people just didn't know he was like this chatterbox. So that's all to say. Uh, I actually lost my point because we've been talking about eating with Kevin Smith for so long. But I think I was well, saying because Kevin Smith talks so much publicly, mm-hmm. there's a lot. You you could easily learn all about the making of every movie he's ever made. Gotcha. Um, but I didn't know his whole starting. Like, I didn't know that he was in the podcast world at all and that he did these speaking engagements. Like, I didn't. I really don't know anything about Kevin Smith. Oh, all I know. Well, and those were after. I mean, he made it big as a filmmaker first. It's okay, not like okay. he was a famous speaker who then made movies. Got like, it. Got it. Like, to, to put it in perspective, that DVD came out in 2002 and Clerks, his first movie, came out in 94. So he was already oh, okay. had made five movies by that point. Got it. So he more like rolled his filmmake. He basically turned himself into like a personality. You know, some filmmakers are personalities and they're out there talking and stuff. Yes. Like, we all know who Tyler Perry is. Like, you know, like not personally, but we know what he looks like, what he talks like, what his right. opinions are on things. But like, what do you know about Christopher Nolan besides he makes movies? Like nothing. He's not a personality. He doesn't go out there and you know, make a TV show about himself. Right. So Kevin Smith's more like a Quentin Tarantino where like, you know, like him or not, you kind of, he's in the public eye. Yeah. I, what I know about Kevin Smith is him and that other guy always are at Comic-Con. Uh, who, Jason Muse? I guess so. The guy with the long hair. Who's always with him? Jay? Yeah. Like from Jay and Silent Bob? Yes. Oh, man. We're going yeah, to have a lot to cover on this one. <laughs> oh, folks. I'm sorry. I didn't know this was going to be a long oh, one. but I'm yeah. sorry. First of all, he seems like significantly younger than... Oh, my God. I already forgot his name. Jay? <laughs> no. Yeah. Jay. Oh, my God. No, listen. They're called Jay and Silent Bob. They're like characters. They're not even... <laughs> Jay seems significantly younger than Bob. So I'm like, where did he find this kid? Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I, have, I might I, be getting ahead of myself. I have all of this info, so I can give it to you whenever <laughs> you want. Uh, but it's just so funny that if you're not remembering Jay's name, we're, we're, in, we're in for a long haul on this no, one. No, that was just a minor, minor flub. Oh, man. So where do we even begin? <laughs> I was going to tell you about why this movie had such a low budget, but I feel like I have to, I have to give you the whole story. Jesus. The whole Kevin Smith tale. I'll, go, I'll do quick. I'll do Hopefully quick. Hopefully there's a listener who's like me and yeah. doesn't know yeah, the hopefully. origin story. Because I got my own feelings and opinions and and my own journey as a kevin smith fan but i'll just i'll remove that and just tell you who he is okay so yeah fat nerd from new jersey love movies all that stuff jay (laughs) no kevin smith kevin smith kevin smith okay decides to he wants to put it all on the line and make a movie which ends up being clerks got it so he pulls together every dollar he could get maxes out a bunch of credit cards like goes into about like 30 grand in debt to like put it all on the line to make this movie he wrote it for himself, so he was supposed to play the main character who has like all the funniest lines named Randall. Uh, as soon as he started the process, realized that he's not an actor and he can't deliver the lines he wrote. So he's like, I gotta not do that. But his the way he tells the story is, you know, there was odds were this was going to be a failure. There's no way you could have guessed that Clerks was going to turn him into Kevin mm-hmm. Smith. He hoped it did, but 
Come on. You can't, you can't like go through life thinking that's exactly how it's going to play out. So he kind of figured like, this is probably going to be my one giant mistake I make in life that I'll be paying for for the rest of my life. Mm. So if I'm going to make this movie, I at least want to be in it. So Jay was a kid he knew in the neighborhood. So he is younger than him. Not by a lot, but like four or five years, which is when you're 20. That's a lot. So like Jay was like a 15 year old who would like hang out with the cool 20 year olds. Got it. Um, And Jay was just this crazy ass kid who said wild shit. Like he was Jay. In the movies, essentially. Oh, wow. Just completely nutcase. He sold weed, like, literally to the point where just he made Kevin and his friends laugh so much. And, like, they treated him like a weird little brother, you know? Like, and the way Jay tells it is everyone his age was just like him and it was, like, exhausting. So when he met these older guys who, like, smoked cigarettes and talked about films and, like, not that they were intellectual, but, like, you know, they, they really liked movies. So they would talk about directors. And to Jay, as a kid, to them, he, they seemed like scholars. So he's like, I want to hang out with these cool, smart people. Oh. Meanwhile, they're all just talking about their dicks and, and you know, discussing right. Star Wars. Right, when you hang out with older yeah. kids, yeah. It's just funny, like, now, because I, I kind of had that same opinion about Kevin Smith when I was, like, 14. Of, like, this guy's so smart and everything. And I do think he's an intelligent person, but, like, when I watch it now, I'm like, you're just talking about Star Wars, like, a lot. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that high of a conversation. Gosh. Well, anyway, so that's how, that's how he met him and he was always funny so kevin always said he just wondered to himself like oh i wonder if other people would ever find this guy funny because it's very he's very fucking vulgar and crazy but he also like saw sweetness in him where he said like he never intentionally wanted to be like hurt hurt people or be mean it was more just like seeking attention and mm-hmm. and you know just trying to be outrageous just people like look at him you know so he's like <laughs> he learned at first he annoyed the fuck out of him he said he hated him at first because he was like you know, you just come around and be like, fuck you, fucking cocksucker, blah, 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 you know? <laughs> and he'd be like, this kid's a lot. And then eventually, like, he kind of, like, saw there was an inner sweetness to him and was like, oh, this kid just, like, wants attention and he's just, like, he's yelling because he wants us to look at him. He doesn't care what he's saying. Like, he doesn't even know what he's saying. You know right. what I mean? He's not mean. He doesn't actually do the things he says, you know? And he's like, oh, fuck this bitch. I'm a fuck, you know? Like, he's just this little nerd who never gets sex or anything. <laughs> I said I was going to tell the short version and this is not short. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, he wrote him into the into the script for Clerks, but then he was just like, well, I want to be in the movie, but also I have to direct. I'm not an actor. So he basically just came up with Silent Bob. He was like, you know, this kid's tall and skinny. I'm short and fat. You know, we'll just look good together. Abbott and Costello. Like, it's worked forever. You That's know, Chris funny. Farley and David Spade. There's a thousand fat guy, thin guy. It's great comedy. So <laughs> he just wrote in a character who doesn't talk, named him Silent Bob, and boom. That was how they wrote those characters. Clerks came out. Fucking sleeper hit all of a sudden huge fucking ah everyone who's this new guy kevin smith you know it was the 90s independent film that was the story you know right. happened to quentin tarantino happened to robert rodriguez like you fucking risk it all and make a movie if it's good you're now a superstar Turn up. you know we don't really have that, that's that was a moment in time awesome it doesn't really happen anymore being a player witch project another one yeah so then his second movie mall rats that was like a big studio movie so now he had i don't remember the budget i think it was somewhere like like six to, or eight million you know so like significant. Oh, and Clerks was like twenty thousand dollars. Like he made it for like twenty eight thousand dollars or something. Like like nothing. It's crazy how much somebody can make with such a small amount of money compared to something you see with like millions yeah. of dollars behind it, but like doesn't look. Or- and it's all in the writing. the The film itself is not impressive in a filmmaking standpoint at all like the camera barely moves it's a lot of just right two people standing in front of a camera delivering very well written dialogue but still like the multiple the the multiple locations to me just alone but anyway Um, yeah so anyway i won't get into mall rats but big studio like raunchy comedy Mm -hmm. he goes for it it's it's even more juvenile than clerks it's he's really trying to hit like that broad like sex comedy for all teens and it fails like oh. big time it like makes no money like literally just 
just Damn. it was a crushing blow for for me. Like they thought, like, oh, the next Kevin Smith, it's gonna be just as crazy as the first one. People love Mallrats. It's going to have a huge cult following. It is pretty damn funny. The older I get, the less I enjoy it. But I love. There was a point in my <laughs> life where I loved it. Wow. Um, but it's just like there's not much to grab onto once you leave like the 14 year old boy humor of it all. Uh huh. It's very good 14 year old boy humor. But just every year I get older, I I, I can't really relate to Mallrats as much. Interesting. Um, but it's got some good, good, good stuff. Don't, I'm not trying to like talk shit about it. You stink, Palmer. Stink, Palmer. You take your hand, you stick it in your ass like this. You've been walking all day and you're all so nervous, so no doubt you'll be sweaty as hell. You should see yourself right now, a grown man with his hand down his pants. Yeah, I probably look like my old man. <clears throat> there, now you shake hands with the guy. Hey, Mr. Svenning, how have you been? What's the point? You know how long it takes for that smell to come off? Scrub all you like, it'll stick around for at least two days. How does he explain it to his colleagues and family? They'll think he doesn't know how to wipe his ass properly. Meanwhile, you yourself are left with a hand that smells like shit. Small price to pay for the smiting of one's enemies. So anyway, now that brings us to Chasing Amy, his third movie. He basically writes the script, shows it to Miramax. They like it, and they want to give him $6 million to make it. And they're like, uh, they're like, cool, we'll do, we'll make a $6 million movie, sweet, blah, blah, blah. And then the Miramax guys were like, well, who are you thinking? Uh, and then he goes, oh, well, I actually wrote it for my three friends, uh, Joey, Ben, and uh, what's his fucking name? Matt Jason, Damon. Jason, <laughs> no, Matt Damon. Uh, yeah, Jason, Jason Lee. Jo- I know, but he didn't. He... I know, I know, I know. My bad. Okay, <laughs> this okay. is long enough. We don't need derailments. <laughs> so, Mir Max asked, "Who do you want for this movie?" And he said, "I wrote it for my three friends. You know, Joey, Ben, and Jason, the, the three stars of the movies. Like, I wrote it for them in mind. I think they're great actors. They can, they can knock that apart." And they were like, "No way. That's not going to happen. Like, this is." We're making studio pictures. Like, we need celebrities to sell movies. Like, you're not, we're not selling a movie with nobody in it. Wow. And then, so they, the three people they had a deal with that they were trying to push for this movie was John Stewart, David Schwimmer, and Drew Barrymore. <laughs> so, the, like, oh my God, that's so funny. Um, I imagine he, I, he never said who would be who, but I imagine John Stewart would be Jason Lee and uh, David Schwimmer would be Ben Affleck. Yeah. I don't think John Stewart would have been the romantic lead. I think he would have been the funny best friend oh or, I, you know what i mean i guess that makes sense swimmer was on friends it was 97 like yeah, he would have been the lead that's like, true john stewart was just getting on the daily show yeah i john stewart could be like the handsome lead though i know i, was, think, I was thinking more like big daddy like he's obviously yeah, he's exactly. more handsome than adam sandler but he's not the lead of that movie yeah, that's adam true, sandler that's is adam sandler yeah swimmer so. trust me Three years into Friends, Schwimmer Absolutely. was God. And I know? could totally see them wanting Drew Barrymore yeah. for this. And so Kevin was like, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and so <laughs> he basically, Kevin came to him and was like, well, how about you just let us make it for a much shorter, smaller budget. And then when it's done, you can choose to buy it. And if you don't want to buy it, we can sell it somewhere else. And they were like, cool. And then they agreed on $250,000. Which, as Kevin tells it, when he went to tell his producer, he was fucking furious. <laughs> <laughs> and his producer was like his best friend. Like, they made every movie together. Like, like they would... Like How he do was, you go from $6 million? Yeah, he said, like... He's, the producer says, like, Chasing Amy was, like, the w- hardest experience of his career. Just because, like, they had to find money everywhere. Like, like, Kevin Smith made fifteen grand to direct this movie. Oh no, fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred. Yeah, yeah, not fifteen grand. Sorry, Jesus. I was like, I just did the math. I'm like, no, that can't be. If if it's only a two hundred, uh, yeah, no, fifteen hundred. Yeah, that like, is ridiculous. I've made fifteen hundred on jobs where I'm a fucking sound mixer on a commercial. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not a lot of money. That is insane. I. Oh. 
Yeah. That must have been hilarious. That must be hilarious in hindsight. Yes. <laughs> so that was the short version of why this budget was so short, so small. So no, it's not always that Kevin chooses to make low-budget movies because it's fun. Mm-hmm. It was he, his second movie failed. They were going to give him a chance on this, but... With Mallrats, a lot of it was he listened to the studio because he never made a studio picture before. Mm-hmm. Clerks is, is friends with a video camera. Like, it's literally just, like, hits his buddies. He right. filmed it at the store he worked at and with a camera that, he like, you know, there was no no such thing as a studio. Right. So it was a full freedom movie. And then when it came to Mallrats, everyone just kept telling him, like, oh, you don't know how this works. Like, we know what we're doing. You know, like, we should do this. Like, he basically was, like, felt like I'm, like, a little kid. These are all professional filmmakers, like movie makers, the studio, these people around me. So I'm just going to like listen to them. Right. And then the movie kind of got watered down because of it. Like he kind of says like, and you know, it, this may or may not be true, but like he's like the movie I sought out to make isn't what ended up on the screen. Mm-hmm. I, I let the studio be involved too much, which was why when they tried to put stars in Chase Gaming, he's like, fuck that. I want to go back to my roots. Right. Do making movies with my friends. You know what I mean? That's cool. So yeah. That so was... he learned how to fight for what he wants. Yeah, exactly. And then. You know, we would see that later in his career when after a couple of failures, he just leaves the studio system completely. And now he only finances his own movies. Mm. Um, they're not very good, but Aww, <laughs> so sad. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I still I love him as a as a personality these days. But uh, his last couple of outputs, I just they were hard to get through. Not for you. No, not for me at all. But I still when anytime he like talks on a thing or if he's chatting about something i'm a fan of i love to hear his opinion like i i actually think he's like a genuine dude or seems like it at least but yeah as a filmmaker it's something something changed well thank you for answering those questions i'm sorry to derail the intro of the podcast (laughs) yeah so i still have my own stories of um i would love to hear them but before that I mean, I feel like we already got a taste of what your history <laughs> was by, by you not knowing anything about Kevin Smith. But I don't know. Do you have anything with this movie specifically? And not necessarily him as Kevin Smith, but like, have you heard of Chasing Amy before I, I brought it up or anything like that? I have heard of Chasing Amy and I've throughout this movie, you know, in my notes and we'll go into it. You know, I've wrote like at least five times. Who the hell is Amy? <laughs> That's hilarious. So I've been wondering what Chasing Amy was about for years. I've heard the title many times. But in any context, or not of and not in any context. Um, the lead, the woman lead, Joey, Joey, Lo- Joey Lauren Adams. Yes, I've seen her obviously in Big Daddy and then in Days and Confused. But I and yeah. I knew she starred in this movie, but I really hadn't really seen her any anything. So I was excited when you brought it up, um, because I wanted to see her in something else. Anything I know about Kevin Smith is what I ask you and what you tell me about him. Yeah. But I am curious, too, because I feel like I always see those characters at Comic-Cons or like that guy is always wearing a Comic-Con T-shirt. So I wonder if that's rooted in this movie. So that's a question I have for you, like in general. Yeah, I got I got any info. Okay, great. I literally could answer any Kevin Smith question. All right. So that's a question I have for you. Answer it at any time. But in general. In- I'm sorry, but when you say things like that guy and that character, I don't oh. know what you're talking about. Bob and Joey. Joey? Yes. <laughs> Bob. And Joey strike Joey. back. Oh, Jesus Christ. What is it? Bob Jane? Jo- Jane. Bob, Bob and Joey reboot. Bob and Joey get old. Jane, Silent Bob. Jay. <laughs> Why is that so hard for me to remember? Also, the order. <laughs> you lost the silent. It's just like... <laughs> like, it's literally... As it's like Beavis and Butthead. Like, it's not anything... Like, it's not... It's not Frankie Jim. Like, it's not something you're going to mix up. It's Jay and... There's no other... It's not close. It's Cheech and Chong. Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Bill and Ted. Jay and Silent Bob. Even Jay the, and Silent yeah, Bob. Even the fact that you can remember Bill and Ted, which is way vaguer than Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm being a dick, but it's just it's really making me laugh that it's not Sorry. sticking in your I brain. I feel like Jay is I've... always wearing a Comic-Con t-shirt in every interview that they do. Yeah. And I always see them at Comic-Cons. And this, obviously, the movie is rooted almost in the Comic-Con culture and like the people who would make comics. So I'm wondering if that started because of this movie or like they were known to be, you know, recognizable faces in the Comic-Con setting because of this movie. Yeah, I think this movie helps. But also, I mean, just again, if you listen to Kevin Smith talk for five seconds, he's been obsessed with comic books and superheroes since he was a kid. Mm -hmm. Like they... It's rooted in all his movies. Like every Got it. every Kevin Smith movie, to some extent, they're going to have all the things he loves, which is some kind of mention of comic books and superheroes, some kind of mention of Star Wars, and some kind of mention of hockey. Got it's just it. it's going to happen. It's his three favorite things in the whole wide world. And then nowadays, you add weed to the list. But he started smoking weed in his adult years, so weed wasn't really a big factor in the movies other than Jay and Silent Bob were weed dealers. Okay. But other than that, I was excited to see um, Ben Affleck again. Yeah. And freaking my name is Earl. Yeah. I was so excited to see him. Have you do you have you seen him in a lot or is my name is Earl kind of? It's the main really thing? my name is Earl. That's and great. yeah. What did we watch with him? Dogma? Yeah. 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 That was cool. So that's what I wanted to bring up because for in terms of you seeing Kevin Smith movies, this I think is your third one because I showed you Dogma a couple of years ago. We watched a little bit of Clerks. Did we? Oh, for like five minutes. I had yeah. it on. Like, uh, yeah, I was at war. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, Dogma. And then we watched uh, Jersey Girl. Yes. Yes. That paints a, probably a picture of a different filmmaker, depending on what movies you've seen. Because <laughs> you've seen like... The more serious ones, I assume? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, actually. <laughs> I mean, he ha he has a horror movie later and stuff like that. That's, oh, that's very serious. But yeah, in terms of like his early output, like you've kind of really... And this was also me purposely not showing you certain ones, but you've really circumvented the dick and fart jokes i mean they're there don't get me wrong but like there's a lot more in clerks and mall rats and jane Silent and bob strike back and mm. like those movies are like yeah if you saw those three instead of the three you saw i think you would have a completely different picture in your head of who this guy is i will say jane silent bob the doses of them that i've seen in the movies that i've seen are just the perfect amount you know what yeah. i mean like i feel like i couldn't do a whole movie of just oh them. yeah i'm i'm i i can't <laughs> with these guys yeah my opinions on those characters have changed a lot during the years in terms of like amusement factor but, but i mean that's not everything can stay with you you know through yeah, every yeah age. it's the same thing i mean it's almost and that's almost consistent with all of these duo stonery characters that I've loved throughout my life. Like, mm -hmm. even, like, I recently rewatched some of the Harold and Kumars, and, like, even the first one, like, it's got some gems in it. But overall, I was like, I just don't have the patience. Mm. Like, I just don't care anymore. Like, I'm not, I'm not 16. Like, I when I, when I was 16, funniest fucking shit I ever saw in my life. And, like, you know, same thing, like, as, like I used to love Chi Chang Chong, and nowadays, like, I still enjoy it, but just not to the extent where, like, I'm relating to it. And, you know, I think the only ones that really hold up for me are, like, Bill and Ted, how we talked about. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with, like, they're not mean in nature. A lot mm -hmm. of these other characters are just, like, real assholes, <laughs> which is so funny when you're an asshole teenager. But as I get older, I'm more just like, man, if you were around me, I, I just, I would leave. Like, That's so if funny. Jay was around me talking, like, from these movies, I'd be like, I gotta get the fuck yeah. out of here. It's, like, like I, funny from a distance. Yeah, yeah, like, I can't with you, dude. Like, it's, it's too much. <laughs> so, Andy, I need you to pause and take a sip of coffee because i'm about to ask you 
about your history with this film and it will probably go into your history with kevin smith most likely yeah <laughs> so, so take that sip of coffee uh I, i'm sipped up yeah so i mean it's not a unique history with kevin smith because i am a white nerd who grew up in the suburbs <laughs> which is kevin smith's bread and butter it's been his audience his entire life we're uh we're not a very uh we're not a very quiet group <laughs> if, 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 if we were a group on the internet <laughs> and to one where it used to be quaint and funny to be like, oh, yeah, I like nerdy stuff and cool. And like now with the internet and fucking text, just these people on like Star Wars message boards and all these motherfuckers like I'm like, I'm out the game. I can't you guys you, you go die on your hill for who the fuck should play Captain America. Like, I don't give a shit. Wow. But anyway, but as a as a 12, 13, 14-year-old, my introduction to him was actually Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, which is the movie that came out after Dogma. It came out 2001. Okay. So I, I was 11 years old. I, I remember the commercials. I remember it coming out. And then also I remember just feeling like, being like, who the hell? Because clearly, well, the title was Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. And they sounds were like a sequel. Yeah, it sounds like a sequel. And then in the trailer, I remember there was just like lines of people being like, hey, it's this guy again. Or these guys. So I just remember being like, oh, there must have been a first Jane Silent Bob I never heard of. But I was like 11. I was like, I don't care. This looks hilarious. I uh, didn't see it in theaters because R rated as hell and I was 11. <laughs> but I do remember <laughs> seeing it like pretty much the next year from renting it with, with like a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. So we watched Jane Silent Bob. And like, if you're a boy at 12 years old and you watch Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, it is glorious <laughs> it was the funniest movie i ever saw in my life at the time oh, i thought funny. this was i was like these two fucking characters are so funny <laughs> and for context for you so jane Silent bob strike back was the first and until recently the only time he made a movie where jane Silent bob were the main characters mm. so every other movie they're always side characters and then this was the one where they're like this is their film and it was also at again at the time this has since changed supposed to be the end of all of these movies that are interconnected. So not only do Jane Silent Bob show up in all of his early movies, and I have a thousand examples in this movie, they share characters and situations and storylines oh, like, fluidly. So similar to how we're watching a Marvel interconnected universe, we called it the View Askew universe back in the 90s. That totally makes sense with him being a sci-fi nerd. Yeah, exactly. So he wanted his movies to almost like feel like comic books where you're picking up issues and people mention stuff that happened in other issues. Uh... So it's never blatant. It's never huge to the point of the plot. But they'll just mention characters. So like we'll get into some of the stuff like when Alyssa's listing people that she's had sex with in the past, a lot of those are characters from Clerks and Mallrats. You know what I mean? So you can just be like, oh, shit. Oh, because they're yeah. in Jersey, too. Yeah, like... yeah. so they all take place in Jersey, and the fact that Jane Silent Bob are always there, you know, is, is just like the thing ties it together. So Jane Silent Bob Strike Back was the movie where they were now the main characters, and then all the characters from the other movies are in it as well, like on the side. So you end up meeting, like, they'll go off and see the guys from Clerks, then they go off and see the guys from Chasing Amy, then they go off and see the guys from Dogma. Hmm. Well, not necessarily Dogma, but because that one's that one's in Chicago and a little bit more fantastical, uh -huh. so and a lot of people die. <laughs> um, but Jane Sunbelt Strike Back was supposed to be the closing of that book. Like, that was supposed to be the last time he ever visited this world, these characters. Mm -hmm. And that was why he put them in their whole movie, because he knew they only worked in small doses. So he was like, to say goodbye to these characters in these worlds, right. I want to go make different movies. Oh. That that must have been cool that it resonated and, like, made you laugh, even though you had never seen any yeah. of those other movies. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, the plot of it has, like, those guys are only in the, like, on the sidelines. It I doesn't, see. it's not like this grand plot that involves, like, 
we have to go find Alyssa because, you know, it's not like that. Like, Jane and Bob have their own adventure, and then every once in a while, they'll just be, like, popping in and checking in with these other characters. Gotcha. Um, and then it even ends with, it, it, like, pans out to, like, a storybook, and then you see Alanis Morissette, who played God in Dogma, mm-hmm. and she closes the book, like, on the end, and then the book says View Askew on the front. So it's, like, literally, it ends with, like, her closing it, being like, we're never doing this again. Nice. Which is not true, because he's come back to the well a bunch <laughs> of times since then. But at the time, the ending. Pretty cool. So, Sludge and Silent Bob Strike Back, super juvenile, super fart jokes, dick jokes, sex jokes, cum jokes, licking clitoris jokes, everything that's funny to a 12-year-old boy. Awesome. Literally, you know, Mark Hamill plays a guy called the Cock Knocker. Oh, come hilarious, on. Hilarious, you know? Not really anymore, but hilarious. Type this shit down. All you motherfuckers are gonna pay. You are the ones who are the ball lickers. We're gonna fuck your mothers while you watch and cry like little whiny bitches. Once we get to Hollywood and find those Miramax fucks who was making the movie, we're gonna make them eat our shit, then shit out our shit, and then eat their shit that's made up of our shit that we made them eat. And then all you motherfuckers are next. Love, Jay and Silent Bob. That'll show those fucks. So then, that was when I just- 12-year-old Andy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was great. Like, I just, I'm like wondering, like, 12 year olds, us, like, how we would interact with each other. Oh, man, I don't even think we would have been friends. (laughs) Yeah, so then, you know, that was the start of me being this weird movie nerd where I was all of a sudden had to, like, learn everything about everything. And then I remember Dogma used to be on Comedy Central all the time. Hmm. All the fucking time. Uh, Super edited, obviously, but all the time. So I remember one time flipping, and then I saw a scene with Jane, Silent Bob kind of sitting at a diner, and I was like, Jane, fucking Silent Bob! And I was like, this is crazy. And then we started, that was around the time when we got our first computer with, like, regular-ass internet, mm-hmm. where you could, like, you know, not have to, like, dial in and all that shit. Right. Like, 2002-ish, 3-ish. Okay. So then I started doing my deep dives, and then that's when I was just like, oh, shit, it's not that Jane, Silent Bob Strike Back is a sequel, it's, the you know, I learned everything that I just told you. Right. So that's when I went back and started watching everything, started from the beginning, uh, started with Clerks, uh, even though it was like black and white and weird and indie, I thought it was hilarious. Mallrats loved it because again, twelve year old boy. It's the closest to Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Mm. Just super juvenile, but hilarious. Uh, and then got to Chasing Amy, and then I remember enjoying it, but it definitely didn't stick with me when I was that age. It was a little. Too I late. didn't. I just like basically. I just was like, I thought the first half hour was hilarious. Then I was like, oh, it's boring. <laughs> and then I liked the Jane and the Bob were in it. And like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and then I just, it, it didn't read to me. And then Dogma was like in the middle where I liked it a lot more. Jane and the Bob were in that movie a lot, if you remember, unlike yes. this. And yeah, Chris Rock, you know, who I, who I liked. So I kind of liked Dogma, but again, it was a little too heady for me. That, was, that period of my life, I loved Ken. I thought this guy was a fucking genius, <laughs> which, you know, most 12-year-old geeks do. Um, I was just like, man, this guy makes these amazing movies. He's speaking to me. And, you know, he, his movies have this style of, like, it's it's not realistic dialogue, but it doesn't need to be because he's making a movie. But, you know, everybody talks in these flowery monologues with, with four-syllable words. And, you know, when he gets the right actor to pull it off, it comes off really good. Mm. And, you know, again, not realistic, but I even heard him describe once where he was like, someone told me when I first was learning how to write that, you're not recreating reality because reality is like boring. It's like, hey, what'd you do last night? Oh, I saw Stacy. Cool. You know, like that that's a real conversation. You don't right. want to hear that in movies. So they were like, he's like a writer creates the world or the the writer showcases a world that they wish existed. So mm. in Kevin Smith's mind, he's like, I wish we all dissected pop culture 
in intelligent speak and, and flowery language and, you know, you, you know, uh, he totally does speaking that. non-monosyllabically, you know, like just like super, you know, smart. That's Talking cool. smart. <laughs> so that really spoke to me and resonated with me as just a film watcher. It was around the same time I was discovering Quentin Tarantino and they both got famous around the same time. Mm. And he's known for the same thing where his movies have very unique and very well-written dialogue, but it's not how people talk. Like it's insane, but like, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. So it, it, we were just at this time where like, you know, you could, you could let people talk in movies and you didn't have to worry about slicing it up all actiony. So I dug it, loved it, loved it. And then over, over time, I started as more, Kevin Smith made more and more movies and they started to get not quite as like inventive because I think all his movies have problems. Like I don't think he's a super talented filmmaker in that sense. It's not like he's not Paul Thomas Anderson where every frame is crafted beautifully. You know, he's more he's a writer who makes movies. Mm -hmm. um, I think his scripts are way more polished than his movies are. So as time went on, I kind of I got a little bit older and like the dick and fart jokes started getting a little bit less funny. I started to I still appreciated all his movies and I could still watch Clerks and love it and all that. But just over time, it was always Dogma and Chasing Amy were the two that I could always kind of go back to mm. and still have give me like enough to chew on outside of the silly humor. Right. And like since then, they've they've both always kind of I've always considered Dogma to be my favorite. But I showed it to you and it wasn't that long ago. It was probably like a year and a half ago. Yeah. After watching it that time, I still liked it, but not quite as much. And then this time watching Chase of Amy, I actually probably liked it more than I've ever liked it in my life. Mm. So, yeah, I think this one's just going to keep aging well for me. And it's it's the best movie he's ever made, in my opinion. Whoa. Do you want to just then hop into it? Let's go. So. Comic-Con. Yeah, film opens up on a quaint Manhattan Comic-Con miss comic-con i have yeah <laughs> immediately i already was like oh shit we're gonna have to talk about this because you've been to multiple new york comic cons right yes yeah because i've never been i know i always try and get you to go but you always have a conflict i'm always working i know i'm busy man they're the ones <laughs> who fucking put it on like a tuesday it's like what are we doing weekend that shit up <laughs> i know let me get some time off. well they do have weekend ones but i think you were working at the time i tried to get you to go yeah but uh working. yeah it was cool to see that setting again but yeah but it, this is a different comic-con because oh my god this is the 90s like comic-con was small like that's i'm pretty sure it started in the 90s e sure because <laughs> that it was a comic boom in the 90s and it literally just was what it was in this movie which was just tables of people selling comic books right it wasn't like nowadays it's it's about selling movies and video games and like yeah, all this franchises IP. and all that. yeah like it's it's been corporatized to a much higher level where I've just seen footage of Comic-Con and it's like, you know, that's where they unleashed the new trailers for Star Wars. And like in this, it's literally just like nerds in not that great costumes, <laughs> just with that that classic box that holds a million comic books. And right. then you just sift through them and you just go home with comics. All embodied in this one fan, I think, who we know. Oh, Ethan Supley? Yeah. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> He's the best. I was like, oh. He's uh he's never a big role, but he's a pretty normal Kevin Smith regular. Oh, is uh, he? Yeah, he's in Mall Rats, and then he shows up later in uh, Clerks Two and stuff cool, like that. Cool, cool. Um, but yeah, he's amazing. Fucking Frankie the Enforcer from Boy Meets World. <laughs> yes. Best. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, he's great in Boy Meets World. And now for you, why was you almost in my way? You know, if I was in my homeroom, I wouldn't be anywhere near your way. Huh? I think he's saying that if he was someplace else, he wouldn't be here. What? You saying I'm gay? No, no, I didn't say that. Come on, let's finish him off. No, I need to be alone with my thoughts. 
I was not expecting to see, you know, Ben Affleck and Jason Lee as comic book artists. Yeah. Which I I also wasn't really familiar with the concept of, you know, somebody who draws and then an inker. Yeah. So uh, that whole opening set about that and, you know, him getting in an argument with the fan being like, you're a tracer. Yeah. That yeah. was really funny to me. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, that was, my, that was the first time I ever learned about that, too. I didn't know. And it's just, it's also funny with stuff like this, because, like, when he was putting this in this movie in 1997, it was a very weird thing to do. <laughs> like, people, normal people didn't really know a lot about Comic-Con, and the comic book world, it was, like, it was for weirdos. Like, it wasn't, like, it's just so funny, because, like, now it almost seems, like, cliche it's to do trendy. it. It's trendy. Yeah, like, like, you can watch this. If you're, like, a young person watching this now, you're like, okay, another thing about, like, yeah, we get it. We all love superheroes. We all love... But back then, like, no, we didn't all love shit. Like, it was like, like, these kind of people love this kind of shit, and that's it. Right. So I just, yeah, I love the the way Kevin, like, you know, he was kind of ahead of the curve of putting that shit in movies. You know, like, Stan Lee is in Mallrats in 1995. Oh, snap. No one ever put Stan Lee in a movie before that's... Kevin Smith. Yo, did he do that before Marvel did that? Oh, the Marvel wasn't a studio yet. Oh, Jesus there was no, Christ. Marvel wouldn't become a studio until 2008. Yo. That was 1995. I hope Kevin Smith's getting paid for, like... Well, <laughs> I know you didn't catch it, but when we saw Captain Marvel, that takes place in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And remember when she sees Stanley on the bus? He's reading the script from Mallrats. Oh, so it's supposed that's to be, fun. It takes place. It's like he just received it, and he's deciding whether or not he wants to be in Mallrats. So that was Marvel and Stanley giving their cap to Kevin Smith. To be like, yo, you were the first one who like, yo. you were giving us props before we ruled the world. That's freaking cool. And now we rule the world. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool catch. Yeah. So like I said, yeah. So it was like very unique to put this comic book stuff in. But yeah, that inking and tracing thing, I was waiting for you to recognize that person. You didn't recognize who that was at all. Oh, who was it? That, so, the guy who was instigating? Not the, the guy who was instigating, but I remember when he calls his friend over. Yes. That was Casey Affleck. Oh, snap. Yeah. That was like a young ass, like first ever appearance. Oh, in something that's Casey why I did. Like, he was mad young. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I want to look at that again. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I like, I couldn't believe, because like he has like a couple of lines. Like it's not like he just like shows up. Yeah. And then I was just like. But honestly, I don't really know Casey Affleck that much. Uh, I don't know. I thought at least from like SNL. He's, yeah. You know. But what I was most surprised at was seeing Ben Affleck before his superstar teeth. What, what does that mean? His teeth were mad like normal. Oh, shit. I didn't even... Damn, I usually pay attention to teeth. No, like his teeth, they're not like superstar, all pearly whites. Like They're like regular teeth. Um, If you look at his smile throughout this movie, you notice that they're not... Like they're like... It's like a regular person, you know? So that was really interesting to me. That's It's always interesting to see like the natural superstar before they get all... Yeah. And this, like, this is the year that Ben Affleck becomes Ben Affleck. Because mm-hmm. um, this movie is a huge hit, but it's also the same year that Goodwill Hunting comes out. And he, him and Matt Damon win their Oscar for writing. Mm. So he literally, overnight, goes from the guy who had a couple of small roles. You know, Days of Confused. Like, he was in Rats, but he just kind of played, like, the villain. Right. Um, that's where him and Kevin Smith met. Then all of a sudden, like, he stars in this. It's makes it's a big hit. And then Goodwill Hunting, Oscar, boom. Yeah. Like, he's off to the races. That's when the teeth get fixed, I assume. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I assume that, too. But, yeah, even with that, like, he's a great-looking guy. I don't, and, like, obviously, he would become a superstar. Yeah. W- what do you feel about his goatee? <laughs> I actually like do it. You? I don't know. I'm, I'm on and off on it. It's a little weird. I think he can pull it off. Yeah. Goatee's tough. I think that Joel... 
because Joel later in life has a goatee, I think. In well, who are we talking about? Oh crap! My name is Earl. What's his name? Jason. Jason. You can't remember Jay. Jason you can't Lee. remember Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, um, and you can never remember the killer in Friday the Thirteenth either. You always forget that his name is Jason. Oh Yo, really? You can't remember. <laughs> oh really? Yo, what is it with the name Jason? I don't know. Yo, I'm like blocking out. <laughs> Um, I only I've only really met one Jason in my entire life. So funny. I feel like Jason has a goatee later in life, and I don't like it on him. Like this, this was really cool to see. I've never seen this guy this young before. Jason Lee. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Kevin Smith kind of made him because he's the second lead in Mallrats, and he's the second lead in this. Mm. And again, Mallrats ended up kind of getting favorable later, but uh, that's always what I've known him. Like I've known him as these two characters from these movies, I see. and they're very similar characters. They're <laughs> almost the same person. It's just one's in a better movie, so like he seems more complex. Like right, but I like the dynamic between the two. Yeah, it works really well. I'm just gonna use their character names. Uh, it's it's Holden is Affleck. Yeah, Affleck and Banky is uh Banky Jason Jason Banky is Jason. Yeah, their dynamic is real interesting, and like Jason Lee, I mean, as you know. I'm sure you could probably tell by today's standards is a very fucked up character in terms of the way he thinks about things. Oh, totally. But I like that unlike, because he's very similar in Mallrats, like I just mentioned, almost interchangeable, except in this movie, he's like successful, you know? (laughs) So it's like, but the thing with Mallrats is the whole time he's played for like lovable laughs. And like he's supposed to be like ah this goof and like you know like we got we he gets dumped and you want to watch him get the girl back and like but like in this I feel I love that the movie never apologizes for Banky and never really paints him in too good of a light. Mm. It's always his opinions are always like challenged to some extent. Oh yeah, and uh, and I just find that that's what makes him a lot more interesting in this movie than uh, absolutely the biggest challenger of all I think is who we meet in the next scene. Oh yeah. Oh my God! What's this character's name? Uh, Hooper. Hooper. Yeah, his his comic book uh, writing name is Hooper X, but but his real name is Hooper. Yo, I want to read White Hat and Coon. What is it called? White Hate and Coon. Yeah, White what? Hat and Coon. That my freaking autocorrect. I want to read White Hate and Coon. I really do. Yo, this character, like, I don't I, you. I want to see your natural reaction to it, but I remember the first time I saw it, I didn't see any of those turns coming, and it, it was like. It was the reason why, I remember when I said it, even when I didn't understand this movie, the first half hour I loved because I thought it was so funny. Yes. Like, that, this was a big part of it. Just his, yeah, so let, oh, let's let's just paint the picture God. really quick. But we cut to, uh, like, a panel of, of comic readers, and then we see Hooper, who's dressed basically like a Black Panther, like, all leather, all black leather. Yep. Uh, just super like he's got the black black man is God pinned on his shirt. Yeah, it's like he's on a soapbox too. Like it's like a panel was happening and he's just taking the floor. Yeah, like you can kind of and you can kind of see the other panel, like the other comic book writers on the panel. They're just kind of like, oh, like as if he's been going on for like an hour. Like, yes. you know and he's just he's just doing all the class, all the hits, like basically just spouting like Malcolm X kind of, kind of you know like we've been held down this whole time. Yeah, black black characters in comics, basically. He's. He, yeah, he's saying that any time there's black characters in comics, they're always, you know, either the villain or, or the sidekick or just treated with disrespect. And so his comic is going to change that. Right. And then he gets challenged by Ben Affleck, who brings up, 
I knew this was probably over your head because they don't say the word Star Wars, but he's talking about Billy D. Williams in the Star yes, Wars movies. I got, I caught that. Oh, actually. okay, yeah. So he says, "What about Lando Calrissian? He was a black guy." Yeah. And then, like I said, Kevin Smith always just puts Star Wars in every movie he ever makes. Mm. So this is this is the Star Wars moment where he gives this whole diatribe about how it's an allegory for white supremacy. Now <laughs> <laughs> Luke Skywalker and the rebels were a bunch of clansmen trying to bust up Darth Vader's hood and gentrify it. None of that makes any sense when you really know Star Wars, but it's so fucking funny. <laughs> and then uh, Ben Affleck and Jason Lee basically just take turns standing up and saying just ignorant ass shit. Like, yeah. you know, just every time he, he makes a point, they're just like, ah, calm down, you black guy. You know, just like that kind of attitude. The best one was uh, when he says something about a Nubian god. And then he, oh. said, he goes, what's a Nubian? And he's like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, I died. I mean, obviously. So then, yeah, then we see him. He says his final line of, like, the story of Star Wars is that every black man secretly wants to be white. And then Ben Affleck, well, doesn't he? Uh, Well, don't they? And then that's when he pulls out his gun, kicks the stand over, and shoots. That's when I was like, what is this movie we're watching? (laughs) And and everybody ran out. So Yeah, so when did you realize it was a farce, basically? Yeah, yeah. I, I think pretty quick. Like, my initial reaction was, what the hell? But then, you know, like... The way, well, think... basically because Jason Lee gets shot, but Ben Affleck doesn't move. Right. So it's like, obviously, exactly. you know, like if his friend really just got shot there. Yeah, I feel like r- it would have been way more dramatic. And then yeah. I was like, this is a and Kevin also, Smith movie also. Yeah, like, and also just that would have been such corny writing if like he got so worked up in his black rage that he shot somebody. <laughs> you know, like that's like that's typical white person like writing for a black guy. Right. But the writing with Hooper, I think, is just so good because then he walks over and fucking... <laughs> I, just... I was not expecting him to do that 180. Like I, I didn't... <laughs> his under... true voice comes out. Yeah, yeah his true... <laughs> it's... He he basically reveals that he puts on this facade to sell his comics. Yeah, he's a very flamboyant gay man, but he knows that society's not ready. Like, yeah. A, to accept him as a person, but definitely not to accept him as someone who sells comic books. Exactly. So, like, he can sell comic books as this extremist Black Panther character more than he can as a black gay man. Yeah. <laughs> who loves, and who loves and we find out that his like his publisher, they get all the clearance to pull off these stunts. They, they, <laughs> they inform the police ahead of time. So that way the audience still thinks that he's going crazy, but in reality it's just it's all I... fun. But I just love his line when he when he goes to Jason Lee on the floor and he's like, What's a new being? Bitch, you almost made me laugh. Man, what about you? You didn't tell me you were gonna scream black rage. I nearly pissed myself. Because when he kicked the phone, he goes, Black Rage! And he starts shooting the gun. <laughs> Yo, uh, that got Hooper me. I so think that was funny. the first time I was I laughed out loud. I, like, I was I was so excited to see how that scene played out for you because also before before the gunshot, there's no reason you should think that Jason Lee and Ben Affleck are his friends. Exactly. So it, it just really paints them as like fuck. These are our main characters, like yeah. these like racist ass like dudes. But in reality, oh, it's so yeah. good. Yeah, I think I kind of accepted it too, knowing that these guys are probably. I don't know why I knew that they were from Jersey right off the bat. Maybe it's because of, you know, what you've told me Kevin about Smith. Kevin Smith yeah, and everything. Jersey's but and everything I kind of accepted the way they were because of knowing, you know, they're probably these small town kids Super. who only come to the city once in a while. So that's why they have these like closed minded yep, thoughts. That's exactly. So that hit me. That's yeah, that's exactly that you actually hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't even need to tell you why Kevin wrote this movie anymore because you just literally nailed it on the head. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then we also, uh, on the panel with him, is the first time we meet Alyssa, played by Joey Lauren Adams. Oh, yeah. Her voice is so high. Yeah, she's got a very unique voice. I was almost, I think it was higher in this movie than it was in Big Daddy and 
maybe dazed and confused. I don't know. It hit me different this maybe. time. I was like, she has a lot more dialogue in this than in any of those movies. Yeah, yeah. Like she's basically the lead in this, and it's so such a unique voice. I'll take a quick uh, a quick detour to talk about the writing. So this the script came from a lot of different sources, but one of them was. While Kevin was writing this, him and Joey Lauren Adams actually dated for like two years. Oh. So a lot of what Holden is feeling and like kind of what this movie is about is kind of the way, the immature way Kevin treated their relationship because she's not gay and she hasn't done an eighth of the things that Alyssa has done in this movie. But when he met her, it wasn't even more about sex. It was just that. She had already, like, she lived in Australia for a few years. She traveled all over Europe. She's been to, you know, been she's been to just all these different countries. She was worldly. She lived in, like, eight different places. She's had multiple boyfriends. And, like, he was just, like, this, like, fat little nerd from New Jersey who never left his hometown. Didn't even go to college. Mm. So, like, all he, like, his whole life was just, like, watching movies and not really having experiences of his own. So he always just put all these moments of, like, inadequacy on himself when he, they were together that she never put on him. And which resulted to him just kind of being not like shitty, but just like, you know, having a bad attitude about a lot of things when he should have been enjoying the moments. Interesting. And so a lot of that is what kind of inspired him to write this movie and why he asked her to be in it. And it was like, you know, and I've heard her talk about it, too, where like she's like, when I read the script, I knew it was it was like Kevin's way of communicating, like, I'm sorry for being an asshole and being immature. And like, you know, anything that I might have said or put on you, like. It was my problem, not yours. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. So, that's why. So, yeah. They were actually. A lot of this movie was based on her. And then just exaggerated to make a movie because real life is boring. That's really you know, interesting. Like, it, it would be hard to believe if Holden was like, she went to Australia. You know, like, <laughs> it, it had to be taken to the extreme for us to believe it as a movie. Right. Um, but, yeah. So, we meet Alyssa there. And then they all decide to kind of stay in the city for the night and go to the club. Which you can tell that Holden and Banky usually never do. <laughs> but Holden says yes as soon as he sees Alyssa because he's right. attracted to her. She's fun and funny. Yeah. And just immediately he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I might hook up. Like, let's go. And then that's where uh, we kind of get them all hanging out at the club. <laughs> Banky and Hooper get into an argument about whether or not Archie was gay. Right. <laughs> which was hilarious. This was also the first time I ever heard of Archie comics. Because, again, I saw this young. I was, like, 12. So I didn't even know what the fuck Archie was. I'm not, I wasn't a big, like, comic strip reader as a kid. Uh-huh. So, yeah, this was my first introduction of Archie in that whole world. That's so funny. I love the confidence that Hooper has. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> just the strength to have to be himself authentically in this movie. And... I was actually really surprised to see a character like him in a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like knowing the history and background that you showed me, I wonder like, do you know anything about this actor? So yeah, he's not uh, in a lot of stuff and similar to Jason Mewes, he's very similar to the character of Hooper. Uh-huh. So it was kind of the same situation where Kevin met him and became friends and he was just always so funny and charismatic. And he was like, dude, I want to put you in a movie. Like, I want to write like <laughs> I you. I love this guy. And then they came up with the whole concept of, of the Hooper X character. <laughs> and I looked up his IMDb. And yeah, he does. he's not in a lot of other stuff. Um, he's briefly in Dogma. You probably don't remember. But it, when they're at the strip club. And then there's like that like group of like the black dudes who are like kind of in the gang. And then they help them fight the poop monster. Oh. He's the leader of that gang. Okay. So he's he's in that movie too. And uh, he's in a little bit of Jane Sompop's Strike Back. But yeah. I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff, and like his last his last credit was like 2011. So oh dang, yeah. Well, it makes sense too that he's very close to his character because I feel like 
it was that so came natural. Through. Yeah. yeah. Like I was just like, this could have been fucking like RuPaul playing this character. Right. You know what I mean? Like it was it's it's I could see like someone who can embody something like Right. But I felt like it felt really natural to me that, you know, him and Janky Janky? Banky. Banky. <laughs> <laughs> now you got Jay in your head. <laughs> I I found it very I found it very natural that you know these two comic nerds would break away to you know go to the comic book across the street to look at these Archie comics or whatever yeah or a newspaper stand whatever yeah yeah whatever it was and, you know to leave uh, Ben Affleck uh, alone with Alyssa exactly to, before we leave on Hooper though I I love I love his character for a couple reasons but like one he's the character who has the best attitude. And about everything at all times like he literally looks like he's like enjoying life to mm-hmm. the fullest while he arguably has the most that should be upsetting him yeah, like you know what i mean struggling like, the most like he should have more problems than these two motherfuckers you know absolutely like, uh, uh who have a more successful comic and <laughs> are accepted by society <laughs> right but he's always just kind of like nah, fuck it man i'm here to live my life and be happy and like do me and then also the comic world and the nerd world can be very inclusive when you have a lot of people who are like Banky, these kind of very like angry, mm. like lashing out kind of dudes, like who nowadays probably would call incels. Um, so it's it can be. I, I don't. I'm not that big a fan of the word toxic, but I can't think of a better fucking adjective right now. So it can mm-hmm. be very toxic. You know that community of like I don't want a girl in my thing. I don't want you know why why Spider Man black well, all that bullshit. Yeah. But I like that because that's not Kevin Smith and that's not the comic world he knows. Like he put in this movie like. Look, like, yeah, Banky says some fucked up shit, and but like these guys can still like see each other on the same level as people. Like they he doesn't, still be he friends. doesn't hate Hooper because he's gay. He's got some, he's got some issues with gay people and gay culture and gay life that he needs to deal with. But mm. he doesn't actively go like, don't let me near that. Like, no, that dude's gay. Like, I'm not going to a club. You know, like right. he's not like actively like a hateful guy. And Hooper can see that and just be like, yeah, I see something in there, you know. <laughs> and yes, while well, he pisses me off and he's not my best friend. You know, it's kind of, yeah. it, it brings a level of like inclusiveness to the comic world that you don't normally see, especially if you're only on the internet. Totally. So if you just go on like a Star Wars message board, you're going to be like, these people are bad people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, not all of them, but like, you'll, you'll yeah. see that. And so I like that Kevin's like, no, the comic world's actually kind of cool. And like, these are like my friends for life. Like, this is like the, uh, this is what I want to show you. And when you said uh, you're surprised that characters in a Kevin Smith movie, the other inspiration for writing this movie is he, his brother is gay. And mm. so he always just felt like, you know, he's like, he's like, my brother never said this, but like, I always felt growing up, like, I love movies so much. And I was always like, man, it just kind of like sucked for him to like, not be able to relate to as many movies the way I do, because movies are made for me. Mm. So like, I just want to put some gay shit out there. So like, he's got something, you know, so like, well, I feel like this whole movie. Is... Yeah. So like, that was kind of his other inspiration outside of like, because his the whole thing with writing it about Joey Lauren Adams, there was nothing lesbian about any of that. So then he decided like. He was inspired by this other independent movie called Go Fish that was about lesbians mm-hmm. that came out a few years before it. I'm always surprised when there are movies about this in the 90s. Yeah, exactly. That, like, do it nicely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's all I want to say on Hooper. But, yeah, so that was his other inspiration was, like, writing for his brother. He just wanted to, like, put, like, a gay character out there that wasn't pandered to or, like, looked down on or just, mm. like, the butt of a joke of being like, look how this gay guy acts. Like, right. you know, it's more just, like. And then the fact that that was Hooper's personality, that wasn't Kevin trying to write flamboyant, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, he kind of, like, let him form the character. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, he didn't, you know, that, like, he actually would call everyone bitch and all that, you know? Like, <laughs> it's not just, like, a straight dude being like, yo, gay people love to be sassy and say bitch, you know? Yeah. It's probably the corona-ness of our time today, but just being able to 
be like, yeah, I want to grab a drink at the bar. I was just very nostalgic of that. Yeah, <laughs> hanging out in the city, getting a drink. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we get the Holden and Alyssa's first real conversation. Um, they discuss kind of, you know, they see those people making out outside. Ben right. Affleck talks about how that's love. And she said, no, that's fleeting. And you kind of right. get, get their stance on relationships. Real quick, though, because they're having this conversation while playing darts. Yeah. That camera had to be right under or over that dart board or whatever yeah, right yeah, like yeah. that was a very interesting. yeah usually you would put uh like a piece of plexi or something over the camera that the lens can't see but yeah. it protects it they do that if you're if like i remember one time i filmed an indie movie and there was a big pie fight at the end of the movie like 10 uh. people in a room all throwing cream whipped cream pies at each other uh-huh. and so all of us had like ponchos and then all the cameras had plexiglass in front of them I see. so that way you can get that effect of like the pie hitting the camera but you're not actually hit the camera uh, okay okay so yeah so even if the darts were to miss it would just bounce off the plexi oh uh, cool but one thing about uh this scene that kind of sets the tone i mean we spilled the beans that this movie's about a gay woman and a and a guy who falls in love with her but in terms of the language of the movie we don't know that yet we just mm-hmm. think it's a meet cute right but one little thing and kevin doesn't do a lot of these but when he does it it's pretty <laughs> cool it's very hard to notice and i actually had to read this i didn't pick it up myself that whole scene where it's the static camera of them playing darts and you see the two bathrooms and people are going in and out of the bathrooms mm-hmm. only men are coming out of the women's bathroom and only women are coming out no of the men's way bathroom. and it's just to kind of like paint like a picture of like where this is a normal rom-com right now oh interesting. like we're we're gonna we're gonna play with the normal roles you're expecting because if you're just watching this movie without seeing a trailer you just think okay this is the rom this is the meat now they're gonna meet <laughs> you know like this happens <laughs> they kind of spoil it in the trailer as well have we as that's what we i'm noticed. saying if you didn't watch the trailer oh gotcha yeah, oh yeah, i yeah. i missed that oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah did you did you know it was a gay movie i did not awesome that's, that's what, what <laughs> i was wondering that's what i was wondering that's what i'm saying like there were just i was not expecting anything in yeah this see movie like i had all. all of that spoiled to me just by like being on the internet and doing Damn. like kevin research so even as a kid like i knew that this movie was about a guy trying to like yeah. falling in love with a gay woman. Well, even if you look at the cover of this movie, you know, you see these four guys and then Amy, oh, Amy and Alyssa. Uh, Alyssa is, you know, in this like white angelic or whatever. So it looks like you could be like, oh, all these guys yeah. have a crush on this one girl. Like there's, there's so many ways Mary. to, yeah, yeah. anyway. Um, so I, I had no idea. Cool. So then, yeah, then we go back the next day, we see their apartment. I remember thinking this was the coolest apartment in the world when I was 12. <laughs> I was just like, man, look at this life. Like, two buddies. Like, they're making comics, living in this, like, I cool, mean, trendy place. Outside of the spray paint on their rooms. Oh, I don't like it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, literally, it says, here lies Dick Boy yeah. in one of their rooms. If you take that away, I would say this apartment is also pretty cool. Kind of. But nowadays, I wouldn't want to live in that big... Like, it just looks, like, not homey at all. It was just, like, this big open floor design where everything... It just looked like a painting studio it didn't look like a room i guess so like it looked like it looked like an art studio that they also like converted two bedrooms in yeah i would say that too but like if i could draw like them like this is a pretty sweet situation yeah. and we also like i guess because we also never see their kitchen once i'm always just like what is this place that they live in like, they do don't they have cook. a kitchen yeah, they don't need true. it <laughs> that's true when he says what do you want to do tonight he literally says like get a pizza and watch the grassy and yeah, i'm like yep that's they're not they're cooking. getting lots of pizzas yeah and we get a call from from Hooper uh, inviting them out to the city again. Again, they say no because they're homebody New Jersey types until they find out Alyssa invited them. Yep. And then Ben Affleck does his... <laughs> and then Holden gets excited. Yeah, Holden gets excited and then he does his... This chick loves me. <laughs> loves me. <laughs> and then does a stupid little dance. Oh, God. <laughs> I love the confidence in the early scenes of Ben Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, this is crazy. <laughs> 
I need to tell them about the shared moment, you know. Yeah, that's uh, planting the seeds for a right. great payoff. So yeah, then we then we go to the Meow Mix Club, which apparently was a real gay club in New York. It's not open anymore, but Aww. they just uh, uh, they shot they just shot in a real gay club, like they show them the script and they gave them permission for cheap. That's cool. But as me as an audience member, and I think for all people watching this for the first time, at first you don't know that it's a gay yeah, club. Yeah, so this is where I want to know what your thoughts were, like when. Because the movie starts to telegraph it pretty quickly, but like, right. when in the scene did you realize what this movie was about? Oh, it had to be when Allison is perf- singing Alyssa. on stage. Allison. Oh god, this is gonna be sucky for me in the end. <laughs> when Allison is Alyssa. <laughs> keep it in. If you do too, you gotta keep it in. When Alyssa is singing on stage and the blonde girl is dancing next to Ben Affleck. Oh, so, okay, cool. So maybe I, I sure. caught it very late. Yeah, it's a little late. I, I thought maybe you would have caught it a little. No, well, I knew something was up because Holden is trying to get to talking to her and Hooper is like, there's something I got to tell you about her. I knew something had to be up, yeah. but I didn't know that it was going to be that she was gay. I, I until thought, that moment. I thought, honestly, I thought Hooper basically being the bartender was going to give it away. I think I any just, guy could have been a bartender. But like, he literally was like, he was dressed like pretty gay. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't, if he was trying to, I don't know. I just feel like his personality, he probably wouldn't have. Had it in in a normal club like that where they're like, oh, yeah, Hooper, come and tie your shirt in a knot and, and sell drinks. To I don't it. know. I think in New York, anybody like it's I easy to so. be yourself in New I, York. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so that so. didn't like strike me. I as... just pictured like I was like, oh, he's in his element. Like this is a <laughs> uh, gay club. And, Interesting. Uh, but yeah, I do think they frame it good where like you see he's like, oh, this has been dancing for hours. And like, if you know, you actually can see she is dancing with a woman. But the way the cameras frame, the woman's almost off camera completely right but also too like dancing with other ladies is not something out of the norm like i've danced with my lady friends true, you know true, like true, it's true. not like yeah, something yeah. guys maybe i guess i guess i just together. i brought i knew what, what this was going into it so like the second you know i'm like oh yeah like the hooper's gay in the beginning like yeah, like, yeah it's like a movie about gay people of course uh, this is gonna yeah be. no it took me a long time and i think it's because you know me being a woman it's not no, un, it's not not normal to do like certain things that lesbians do together. Yeah, you yeah, know I know, what I, I mean? know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, let's just go out tonight. And dance yeah, together and, let's have you know? a girls' night. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's hug. You know, that's like, hilarious. Like, yeah. So yeah, uh, her and Ben Affleck quickly meet on the dance floor. You know, we find out that she's also from New Jersey, and they they have a little inner chat. And then this is where we get a lot of the connections to the other movies. Mm. Um, so I wrote them down real quick. Cool. Um, you know, when they start going back and forth, like, oh, do you know this place? Do you know that place? So they mention a couple of highlights of, like, just, like, local places in Jersey that weren't in the other movies. But then the big one when he says, all right, this is the big, uh, he's like, the big one is the Quick Stop. Quick Stop is the grocery store that clerks take place in. Oh. Or convenience store. So that's that's where Dante and the other guy work. Sweet. And then, so she goes, do I know it? My best friend fucked a dead guy in there. That's literally what happens at the end of the clerk. So there's a character named Caitlin Bree who ends up accidentally fucking a dead guy. Who Spoiler. Boyfriend. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Clerks is not a plot movie. It's a dialogue movie. So that happens in there. And then she says, when was the last time that you were back in home? And she's like, not since my friend's funeral. In the middle of Clerks, they literally closed the store to go to Julie Dwyer's funeral. So that means Alyssa was at that same uh, funeral with her. And then Alyssa also has two sisters and they're both. Each one's in Clerks and one's in Mallrats. So in these three movies, we meet all the Jones sisters. Oh, so are they played by 
actresses that I would know? No. Okay. Maybe this, maybe the one in Mallrats, but I don't remember. I don't know her name, so we'd have to look it up. Okay. So like you, you pretty much learn that pretty quickly. That uh, like even like I went like if you watch Clerks, the main character meets. Alyssa's sister and like she literally goes like oh I think I know you like you you, uh, you used to hang out with Alyssa Jones you know and like so then he took that name and created the character in this movie yeah so th- this is the whole kind of whole world building I was telling you about where you find out it's all they mentioned the mall from mall rats like they oh, used to hang out at the blah 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 mall and they were like yeah totally that's cool so yeah that's that's just a lot of the world building stuff of like oh if you're a big fan then you're like oh shit just like the other movies i like that a lot yeah it's pretty cool when holden approaches Alyssa in the club when she's dancing and they're having this fun conversation and getting to know each other this is when you know the band comes on stage and you were saying that this woman was from another as well right another movie yeah she she co-wrote and starred in that movie go fish oh that, right, that right inspired right. kevin to write this because oh, it was just like cool. an indie a black and white indie movie about lesbians and like you know he was like impressed by it ah sweet so, so i guess if you knew that movie as well then that would be another clue right? yeah i actually didn't learn that until this go around of doing my research oh. uh, but yeah apparently she was the first one he sent the script to when it was like done outside of his like inner circle and she kind of like helped him punch it up a little oh, bit oh that's cool because again like he didn't have the internet so like he didn't know about lesbians at all like he was writing this movie because he didn't know about lesbians that's so he wanted to like not insult lesbians so he was like i'll go to my one friend who is a lesbian and ask her you know like see like a typical jersey dude i feel like would have just written and not done that yeah you know like that's why i'm i'm actually like very happy that he did (laughs) yeah and when we get to like the end of this movie like i i think this movie the theme of it represents a really like healthy mindset that I think a lot of us should try to have about things mm-hmm. where it's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it, but it's like, we shouldn't like crucify everybody for being wrong every second of the way, because we're all stupid and ignorant about and, and, like about a lot of subjects. Like right. everybody has their own experiences and then doesn't know other people's experiences, no matter how much you read about it or anything. So you should always just try and be like open to learning and changing mm-hmm. as opposed to just expect everyone to be perfect all the time yeah but, that happens a lot in this movie yeah so we'll, we'll we'll get into that but yeah so then she brings Alyssa on stage and then we get this sweet song uh was she, was that her real voice that was not only her real voice she wrote the song no way yeah, yeah so uh they she just said like can i get a can i can i write it like the song i Aww. sing and then kevin's like yeah totally i really think she could have been a 90s pop star yeah like I thought, I just thought that was like a famous song. I didn't know because it's not my genre. But like I was like, oh no, I learned like she just wrote that. Yeah, song. she has such a unique, well, we all know this, a unique voice, and it shines through in her singing too. Like, yeah, I'm really surprised. Ben Affleck fucking just smugging, holding his chest, like literally like Yo, when I tell you that that was so awkward to watch. Because <laughs> yeah, we learned before he does that uh But like even just even the blonde girl dancing next to him, like just seeing them in the frame yeah. dancing, 
because like when you're drinking you know you did like i've danced like that in the club you know like and thought that i was like being cool and i probably looked hot or whatever it's just but to watch it sober and knowing the mindset that they are in Oh, hilarious and just knowing that like the thing he thinks he should be confident about isn't true absolutely so like... not and then also this is my first probably of five notes where i wrote is this blonde lady amy like, <laughs> that's like, hilarious i didn't know who amy um, was that lady was played by jason lee's then wife oh snap yeah so at the time they were married oh um, so sad <laughs> <laughs> If this song was about Holden, I would think Alyssa's a little crazy. Like, Holden's, like, mad flattered, but, like, they met the night before, and then all of a sudden she's, like, passionately singing this song about how she's like, needs him. Yeah. I would have been like, whoa, that's, like, like, let's go out a couple of times before you just start telling, you know, like, singing songs about me. Oh, okay. I didn't really read into it that, but when you put it in that way, I yeah. guess so. And then, uh, but yeah, then she, she points to what looks like hold in but then goes and starts Ugh. making out with the girl next to him oh, oh. and then that song I, I it i always just thought in the beginning that it's i always forget that it's not just sirens that they put in there to show that ben affleck's realizing it finally but like it's actually a song that like begins with sirens <laughs> so it worked out really well and <laughs> then did. we get the classic panning around the whole club and seeing all these women making out i thought that was hilarious especially from jason's point of view yeah because yeah. <laughs> he's the one looking around you well, know well if you reckon the, the joke's even funnier because i never caught this the first time but over the watches is like he's very confused he looks around he sees two women making out still confused looks around <laughs> sees two women making out still confused looks around again sees two women talking and then he goes ah <laughs> and so it's like like it's, i don't know like i don't know what that means or why that's funny but that's just funny like you oh, know like God. it's just that stupid way <laughs> and then we just so... see him with that fucking huge smile just clapping like and then he goes and now that is a shared moment <laughs> there's a lot uh, of really good lines in yeah this movie. there are a little there are a lot of you know moments where you're like i hate this guy but that one you're like yeah, yeah he's kind of funny and, you know kevin talked about that too where he's like man as soon as i met jason lee and i saw him like smile like that guy has <laughs> such a winning smile like <laughs> like you know you just see it and it like lights up a room so he's like he's like i knew we had to like pepper those in from time to time just to like make you be on his side a little bit yeah or at least like laugh with him even if you're not on his side like like it's like all right this is funny and I love that Holden is a sourpuss the rest of the oh, night. It's just hard cut to them making oh, out. God. <laughs> but I love how much Jason's character is enjoying this. Oh, he's loving I it. I really do. And I really, really loved really the only moment in this movie where they bond. Yeah. The <laughs> you injury know? scene? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I know you've never seen it, but this is uh, an exact recreation and homage to a scene in Jaws. Oh, really? Uh, the three guys, like, after... Like, a, a, like they've been trying to fight the shark and they're at sea and it's at night and they're getting drunk together. And uh, two of the guys basically start showing each other the different scars they've gotten from like either fighting uh. sharks or, or just being out at sea, kind of like just like fisherman scars. And they're getting drunker and drunker and they're all laughing because the stories, like they're scary stories, but now that in hindsight, they're hilarious. So this is a full like the, the way it's lit, the way it's framed, the way the, the dialogue's written. It's, it's exactly that except with sex stories ah did you is that something you found in research or did you notice on your own not when i was 12 so yeah i definitely probably read it because I, I don't even remember if i had seen jaws at the time yeah. but yeah once i saw it i was like oh yeah fucking that's exactly so many callbacks same. but yeah i love this and we get a lot more uh callbacks to old characters in this scene too ah. so like the one like when jason lee tells a story of eating out brandy svenning and then her dad comes and pulls his neck back and hurts his neck yeah brandy svenning is the main character's girlfriend in mall rats 
And, oh, wow. her, and her dad's like the main bad guy. He's like the scary dude played by Michael Rooker. And so if you had already seen Mallrats, you're like, oh shit, Brandy Spending's dad got you? Like, that's fucked up. So Kevin Smith must have known he was going to do this. Because like this is only his third movie. Yeah. So like that... Well, he just started it with Mall. Like once he put Jane Silent Bob in Mallrats, he's like, he oh, was I'll like, just... I'll just continue yeah. from here. Because there's not too... there's not too many connections between Clerks and Mallrats outside of like they mentioned the quick stop. I see. So this movie was when he really solidified it of like, no, these are all like interchangeable characters. Yeah. I love how this conversation though gets cut off because Jason Lee goes, since you like women, do you look at yourself in the mirror all the time? <laughs> such a stupid question. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. And then, you know, from there, Holden's like, all right, we got to go back to Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I think, is it right after this scene that they sort of have their meeting the next day? Yeah, with the with the TV executives? Yeah. Yeah. Both of these are supposed to be cameos, or not cameos, but like cool moments, but only one made it for you. So oh, the main okay. guy is the main character in Clerks, mm-hmm. the the guy who uh, is the main record executive. And then Matt Damon is, is his like number two in this scene. There's nothing really there other than just to be like, hey, look, it's the same actor from Clerks. And then Matt Damon, he wasn't really even famous yet, but him and Ben Affleck were just like buddies and they were working on Good Will Hunting. So I think he just brought him on. (laughs) I love how like the 90s were filled with these like superstar duos like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire. Like it's just I feel like buddy buddies. Yeah. Except the the latter two didn't really make movies together. Oh, that's true. Well, they they made that one weird movie. Yeah, the Pussy Posse movie. Yeah. <laughs> what I like to Yo, Pussy Posse will never not make me laugh. <laughs> I could be dying. It'd be twenty, whatever, sixty something. I'll just be like Pussy Posse. <laughs> <laughs> what I like to think though is that this was Matt Damon. Or Matt Damon's character in this scene is who he was before he died and became an angel. Oh, in uh, <laughs> in Dogma. Yeah, I mean, I know in Dogma he's been around for thousands and hundreds of yeah, years, yeah, yeah. but like but that's pretty funny. It's like a fun t- thought to think like, yeah. uh, he was on Earth for a little bit too after that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> but yeah, we find out we didn't really go into this. I don't think we really need to too much. But the comic that they are famous for creating is called Blunt Man and Chronic. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't really, obviously, you couldn't even remember who Jane Silent Bob were, <laughs> but did you recognize from the artwork and the opening that those characters were Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I did. I did. Because, yeah, that's like, that's supposed to be like, as a fan, you're supposed to be like, oh, shit. So I guess they're not in this, but they're like characters in this. Mm-hmm. These guys want to turn the very successful Jay and Silent Bob, or, I mean, Blunt Man and Chronic comic book into a into TV it. series. Yeah. And because of the low budget, I just like to point out, I love, I don't really want a Blu-ray of this movie, or if I do, I don't want to lose my DVD because most movies look better when they're cleaned up in HD and kind of like, kind of remastered and looking nice and clean yeah but there's something because i just i know the low budgetness and the the guerrilla filmmaking of this movie uh-huh. i love the grain like, yeah, like the I dvd lo- was very grainy and like i love it it just yeah. it sells this movie it's it's like blair witch like you don't want to watch clean blair witch it doesn't make any sense like it's so uh, it's there's certain movies where i'm like sometimes i watch a remaster like i'll watch like the thing on 4k and i'll be like oh beautiful looks better <laughs> than 1982 ever could do but like certain movies like this one i'm just like nah, i want that i want that gross low budget like we don't, <laughs> have, we don't have money for lighting so we just do what we got to do you know like that yeah, kind of look it, it it really stuck out yeah and yeah and this kind of starts the a little bit of a rift between banky and holden they, they don't go into it too much but holden mentions later to Alyssa that 
Banky's really excited about the deal, but he's not really that excited because mm-hmm. he kind of sees himself a little bit more as like an artist and doesn't want to be like the guy who just sells like a kid's TV. Especially this was the era when the, that show would have sucked. Like it wouldn't have been a, a good TV show. Yeah. You know, it would have just been something they made for kids and shot out on on, on like Sunday, Saturday morning cartoons. And this also, to me, just seems like a parallel to Kevin Smith as a filmmaker as well mm. because, you know, he made a personal movie like Clerks. Then he went broad with Mallrats, and then same thing with Holden. He made a very personal comic, and then his second comic was Blunt Man and Chronic, which was less personal but more commercially successful. And then he talks about, like, now I want to go back to making something personal. And then she says one of my favorite lines, and she's like, well, when do you want to do that? And he goes, when I have something personal to say. Right. And, like, to me, that's the first three movies of Kevin Smith. It's Uh... like Clerks was, like, like, in his heart. Mallrats was him trying to be someone he wasn't, and then Chasing Amy was him going back to the well. Oh, freaking layers. Yeah, that's so, cool. So, like, Holden's journey as, like, a quote-unquote artist is the same as Kevin, and as, and from the way I read it. Right, right. Before that is when Alyssa shows up at the department to basically confront him for being all weird at the club once he found out she was gay. Right. Um, but they decide to kind of remain friends and, like, still hang out together. Yeah, they're still, like... They had a a friendship there. Like, they genuinely liked each other. Yeah, yeah. Outside of, you know, Holden's sexual attraction. But, like, this is the first example where we get that, like, you can just tell she's more just, like, mature than he is. Yeah. Where... He's just a small town boy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And we definitely learned that in the first scene of them kind of hanging out on the swings and kind of just discussing where she says, like, listen, I really actually do like you. Like, I want to be friends and I don't want you to feel weird. So feel free to ask me anything you want to ask me. Yeah. And then... And uh, I think this is a little bit of what you were talking about, you know? Like, yes, he's a little ignorant in areas, but, like, this is a moment where they're genuinely, like, talking about, you know, things he doesn't know and wants to know. He asks weird questions or frames them weird. They're even like discussing, you know, like what does losing your virginity mean? Does yeah. it have to be being lost by a man and a penis? Like, yeah, I, like I really his, like, like this conversation. Exactly. Because, and it, it also gets brought up earlier too when she, Alyssa says to her girlfriend that, like, oh, I'm going to fuck you later. And then they were like, well, how can you fuck? Like, with a strap right. on. And then they discuss, like, is fucking penetration is fucking making love like what is fucking and what's losing your virginity because you know he says like no it has to be a man and a woman to lose your virginity because that's the standard like definition of love like catholic roots and then that's when yeah and then that's when she goes like well if you're raped are you still a virgin and he says no and she goes well that's not traditional sex Mm -hmm. like that's breaking the norms but yet that still counts and so you know it's like she's kind of challenging him on the way he was kind of like brought up yeah um and again, like, again, that's why I think this movie kind of has a healthy attitude where, because I think a lot of, and this isn't everywhere, but, you know, you see a lot of the narrative today of just like, shut the fuck up if you're not part of this group. Right. And I get it. I get the frustration and the anger because for so long, the group of, like, you know, straight white people kind of did control the narrative for a long time and didn't let other groups talk. So I understand, I fully understand the frustration of being like, hey, fuck you, you're not in this conversation. Right. But, and I, I think it's totally normal and fine that that's where we're at. But I think over time to really grow, we need to get to a place of more like, this is where I'm coming from. I see where you're coming from. This is why I think you still are, shouldn't be thinking that, you know what I mean? So right. it's like. <laughs> Actually listening. Yeah. And so like, understand. because it is like, you know, like I was raised, you know, Catholic and you know as a kid like sex was 100 percent never discussed in my home like mm. never ever 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 like to the point where like even if like a sexy scene came up in a thing and like my parents were around it'd be very uncomfortable like you know what <laughs> I mean? and so 
you know, so like, I get it. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not the craziest, like, you know, like I didn't, I didn't hit the world and like, I got to try everything under the sun. Like, you know, I'm a little bit more vanilla in that sense. Right. Um, so like, I get where he's coming from in this. And I think it is just healthier to be like, like her attitude towards it all. Like, she's not mad at him. She's just like, yo, you keep saying this, like, like you're saying things like traditional and standard. She's like, are you into women? Because it's what you were told. Right. You know? And then like, and then he goes like, huh? No, actually, it's because it feels right. And then she's like, yeah, exactly. And that's uh, what feels right to me, too. Yeah, so, I love that. So she's just like more like challenging his kind of like the way he looks yeah. at the world. Yeah, it's like, have you ever even but questioned it, yeah, exactly. why you think the way you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love that opening of the lens there. Yeah. And like, honestly, that's how I was formed growing up where like when, you know, if like my older brother was trying to like tell me something, like I probably wouldn't have taken to it if he was like, Hey, you're being a fucking idiot and fucking stupid. Don't think like that. <laughs> like, like you shouldn't be this way to those people. Like, you know, like if he try, but instead of just being like, Hey man, like that, what you just said is what if someone said that to you? And I'd be like, Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Like that is a mean, you know, like, yeah. and I, th- that's not a real example of anything. I was just trying to think of, absolutely. you know, like, cause my brothers were older than me. So they were a little bit more yeah. teaching me stuff as opposed to growing up together. Absolutely. I feel like my mom had the same approach with me growing up because she would tell me things first of all we were very she was way too open about sex with me <laughs> like <laughs> it was the complete opposite but it was like this weird in between where we talked she talked to me about sex all the time but at the same time it was this cultural like no sex before marriage yep, so it was exactly. like this weird dynamic thing but she would sort of talk to me and be like this is what I'm telling you, but always question what everybody tells you, even including myself. Like, go and find out your own answers and form your own opinion. Yeah, that's that's awesome. But yeah, yeah I 100% agree with what you're saying, you know, how yeah. we approach things. and. So I yeah. just, I love this scene. And, you know, when we're not really talking about it, but like, the reason I love this as a rom-com is because it doesn't follow any of the rules of any <laughs> rom-com, like, ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like, was even like, are we even going to get to that point? Yeah, right? Like, I didn't even... yeah, it goes on for a while. <laughs> But I like that it takes its time to build, and I think that everything that Alyssa says it just makes perfect sense. Like I under, like I understand both characters perfectly, and I understand why they like each other. But I also understand where the disconnect is, yeah. without being for or against either of them. Like I'm not like we'll get into it when we get to the end. But there have been there are criticisms of this movie. Like it's not universally loved, like, and especially from some. There, there are some been like articles written from the lesbian community. Of, I would love to know what those uh, opinions of its are, and we'll get into it. And I think they are valid, but I, I just sometimes I see criticism of the movie of being like, like Holden is the typical toxic thing, and we should be seeing this, like this, this should be a, about Alyssa and this and that. And it's like, right. and it's like, yeah, but that's not the story we're telling <laughs> here. So I don't know. I think I think a lot of the criticisms I've read are from people who haven't necessarily watched the entire movie recently. Mm-hmm. I think if you watch this whole movie, it's it's it it really puts a nice little like bow on the story it's telling absolutely but yeah so i just i love everything about their scene of of talking about penetration and then you know she she says not just fisting but the idea of putting your whole hand (laughs) good god (laughs) (laughs) and then uh apparently that tongue scene was written because joy lauren adams just happens to have a huge tongue (laughs) where he was like come on but how big could a tongue really be and then she pulls up into her mouth he's like oh shit (laughs) i was very charmed by her character if yeah. i'm being honest and that really shown through in this scene in particular like i was like i want a friend like her yeah <laughs> no it's she's great and also just when i watching this as a young kid like you know this was like 
a kind of like adult. It just seems so cool. Like they mm-hmm. they were always smoking cigarettes and and you know it was, oh, it's, they this, smoked a lot. This, this is movie. the ultimate Gen X movie. Like these these characters are Gen X to a fucking <laughs> T. Like from their outfits to the music to the smoking cigarettes constantly. Like they just reminded me of like my brother's friends so much. Mm-hmm. You know, because like uh, that wasn't my generation, but. 10 years before it was right so like right. this just i don't know like it was the perfect gen x movie to the point where because I, I feel like every fucking teen during those years smoked cigarettes mm-hmm. like i remember when i was growing up every one of my brother's friends smoked cigarettes like including my brothers like every one of my cousins like like it was just like as soon as you were like 17 18 16 you start smoking cigarettes yeah and it was just like the cool thing to do and so like this movie is that like everyone smokes cigarettes and no one ever talks about it you know <laughs> it's not so i just uh, found that funny of of me watching as a young kid of being like man these people are so cool and like you know what I mean? so after this we really see their friendship start to blossom and holden sort of ditching ditching his buddy yeah to hang out with him they're supposed to go to or boston to hang out with her they're supposed to go to boston for like this this con oh uh, can we the, talk about that scene in the, in the train station Jesus Christ. All the porn that Panky brings with them. First of all, when he's flipping through the books, the sound design, they were freaking sticky. It was so <laughs> gross. I hated it. Oh, it was so funny. <laughs> Having a full duffel bag of porn <laughs> to bring with you. Yeah, it was the old days. Like, it was analog, baby. Yeah. It's like, oh, sometimes I'm in the mood for this. Hey, people and have, then... We got more porn than that duffel bag could ever hold in our pockets that at is, any given moment. That is, <laughs> and, and sometimes I just, I sometimes just sometimes i like the idea of a girl <laughs> getting fucked by a horse like yeah. what the f- <laughs> oh yeah you won't like kevin you won't like clerks too because kevin smith revisits the well of someone fucking a horse and it's in the movie oh, like you don't no. see it like it's off camera but like oh, it's a plot point i don't like that like a, a, a man fucking a horse is a big plot point in clerks jesus too. um <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah that whole scene was ridiculous <laughs> and then he's, but he's showing the porn to that little kid yeah <laughs> but yeah this is just uh it's the show that holden is ditching him and banky just doesn't understand because from his he's like yo you're not gonna have sex if she's a lesbian what the fuck like yeah which i unique perspective there because that opens up a whole other conversation of what you don't think men and women can be friends or like the only benefit of conversing with the woman is for the possibility of having sex with them like that whole again i can't find another word besides toxic either (laughs) but like that was an interesting it's it's an interesting thing um to bring up but i also think from banky's perspective though he knows that holden is like he holden hasn't said he's in love with her but he knows holden wants to be with her right so from his perspective he's like you are wasting your time not that like like if he he just it's not that Holden genuinely wants to be friends. He's just like, yo, I like this girl so much, I'll take whatever I can get. Right. And so I think he's just like, yo, you're gonna get hurt, you're this and that. And you know, there and, there might be some other things under the surface right. that he's not ready to deal with. Yes. But yeah, we just basically see him just getting like not into it at all that these two are hanging out so much that he's getting yeah. he has to go to the con alone. And I'm like, dude, you guys were bonding like a couple nights ago. I know. Like, Jesus. I was a little frustrated with him. I think it's just he loves weird sex stuff, so like you know, finding out she was a lesbian and being able to talk about all these crazy stories. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote, they're so cute. I love their friendship. <laughs> Ooh, Ben and Alyssa. Yeah. Ben and Alyssa. Holden and Alyssa. Yeah. Yeah, we get, the, we get the in love montage, which is pretty great. And I think really where it takes a turn here is the night at the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Unless there was, uh, unless I skipped something you want to talk about. Not, Did you want to talk about the um, ski ball? Not necessarily, other than 
that's just more Jersey touches. Kevin Smith puts on everything because everyone plays skee ball who lives by the shore. Oh. There's a thousand of those arcades. Uh-huh. And if you remember in Dogma, literally God would come to Earth. To, like the reason they were <laughs> able to capture God is because he once a month embodies a human being so he can go play skee ball because <laughs> he loves skee ball so much. She. She loves skee ball so much. <laughs> well, actually, if you remember Alan Rickman, she's not really a woman. It's you're seeing. Uh, she's true. not anything. Like you know, you're just uh, seeing. They. What, you're seeing the way God is presenting itself. Right. Which happened to be Alanis Morissette. But yeah, so we just see them bonding and bonding and bonding. And then what I don't get about this montage is I can't keep track of the time. Mm. Because the montage makes it seem like a lot of time has passed. Because especially we see her celebrating her birthday and he makes her the cake with the woman with the tits out and stuff. Oh, God. Which is hilarious. But like also Banky's not home yet. And we also learn he's only gone for the weekend. So it's like, did it just happen to be her birthday in those three days? And then why is she celebrating it with, like, only one person who she just... You know what I mean? Like, hmm. seeing I the birthday necessarily... made it seem like this was, like, two or three months of, like, bonding. That's what I thought it was. I just thought... Maybe they just found times to hang out when he wasn't in the house. Maybe. I just assumed uh, later when he comes home and, like, finds them that... Oh, I didn't that... read it that way. Okay, I might be wrong. Yeah, yeah. who gives a shit, really? It doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, anyway, we're... Actually, it does kind of matter because then this diner scene plays differently if it's only after three days versus three months. No, I think it's longer than that. Okay. I think that they're just... And that's why... Janky? Thank you. Banky. <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard for me to remember. <laughs> I think that's why Banky is so angry and upset because it's like you're spending all this time like I can't even hang out nope, in the apartment. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Because there's that scene where the two of them are playing Sega and she's hanging out in the middle yeah. of them and he's like, this is like the umpteenth time you've been here, remember? Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Um, I, I read it wrong. It's, um, it's multiple times. So yeah, they're at the right. diner. Um, She ends up buying this painting off the wall. And then we see them driving away in the rain, and she's saying, I want to give it, it's a gift to you because I don't ever want you to forget that we met, that we had a great friendship. It's really that we sweet. Have, yeah, she's like, you know, I always want you to look at it. And then we get Ben Affleck's uh, huge monologue where he pulls over and basically just spills his guts. Yo, I freaking laughed out loud when he goes, I love you, and the thunder. Yeah. <laughs> That is so the opposite of a rom-com. Yeah, because you know? Alyssa like... was not expecting it. Yeah, that was so good. And yeah. I don't know. I think Affleck kind of crushes this monologue. I oh, think absolutely. It's really well written. I think like because he barely, it's just, it's so long. And like he goes from like asking her to see the look on her face to knowing that he's going to get rejected to then just trying to like keep talking so like it never ends. You know what I yeah. mean? You can tell even though he's spilling his guts and it's supposed to be this big romantic moment, it is all about him absolutely like he's really not talking to her as like an equal like he's just saying like like he's saying like listen i'm willing to throw away our friendship for this if if what i just said ruins it so be it i'm fine with that blah blah blah. but never once thinks about it from like her perspective of like yo you're putting a lot of shit on me out of yeah, nowhere and she doesn't want to lose a friend exactly like yeah, it's like oh it's like oh you're cool with it so that's why like, i love the way that they write her reaction to mm. where instead of saying anything she just gets out of the car and just such storming off in the rain trying to hitchhike yeah at first it was interesting because at first i was like come on lady like you could have talked to him or whatever but at the same time then i really i i did un- start to understand her perspective yeah and, her, and why she was angry and her fucking acting was because so good. yeah it was really good i forgot to mention up top but she got nominated for golden globe for best Actress. oh snap yeah, that's yeah. awesome and i think that it, it's a signal to what is wrong and with us not knowing that being attracted to people like taking 
being heterosexual like as the norm like she can't just switch who she's attracted to or who she loves like just it's asking her to change who she is yeah like to satisfy him yeah the way he says like 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 relationships are change and she's like you just are in love you're you're just dating a new girl nothing changes for you like you're asking me to change everything yeah so yeah she just makes some really good points in the scene and beautifully acted and then i don't know and then he starts to basically walk away like knowing that it's over and defeated and then i actually normally i'm not like i said earlier kevin smith's not the most impressive filmmaker he doesn't move the camera a lot like mm-hmm. this is actually one of this is the first time i think the camera moves in the whole movie <laughs> it's always static shots mm-hmm. um but we're it follows ben back to the car and then uh then we see that she runs you know after him and like what were your thoughts on this like, did you think that was going to happen? or I did I, not think yeah, that was going to happen. Yeah, first time I saw it, I didn't think it was going to happen either. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really stupid, but I was like, did they wait for a rainy day or is that rain they paid for? <laughs> uh, no, they, they paid for that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a scene where I wonder if the gay community did not like because... See, it is, but it is actually. This is actually what's brought up a lot. Mm-hmm. But I feel like why by watching this scene without watching the following scene of them in bed, you're not getting the picture of what this movie is. Mm. If you end it right after the scene, it looks problem. Like it looks like yeah. it looks like it's a white guy writing. It's a or sorry, not a white guy. It looks like it's a straight guy writing. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, she has those thoughts, but at the end of the day, she wants some dick, right? But when you hear her perspective and how she got to where she got mm. mentally, like as a character in the next scene, yeah, I, I just, I don't agree. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think it's as problematic as people like to make it seem because i feel like people are only watching like bits of this movie instead of the whole picture that it's presenting right and i wonder too because obviously i'm straight so i cannot really speak to within the community how identifying between being a lesbian versus being bisexual i know that it gets very sensitive in those areas but i wonder if it's because she didn't identify herself as a bisexual that is why people are angry about that yeah yeah i think so too but man, we have to like but but, uh, and also a lot of these criticisms came out 15 to 20 years after this movie came out so like for 97 this is some wild shit that we're covering this in a movie yeah and that there's any grace at all like you know what i mean like it's you know even if you go back because this this came out about two weeks before the episode of ellen where she comes out of the closet Mm. so the world was changing in terms of how we view lesbians at the time so, but, like, even that episode, like, it's not very, quote-unquote, woke by today's standards, which is fine because it wasn't made in 2020. It was made in 1997. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's it's very, it's important to not just always put your modern-day stuff on something from the past and really try to, try to live in 1997 and think about the kind of media that was coming out. And, like, I think it's even a miracle that, that this movie's even made, you know what right. I mean? Like, like, and so to pickpocket and be like, it's not perfect to our agenda of 2021. I just don't think that's, yeah. you're not helping anything really. But I agree with you that the scene after this. When they're laying in bed together. Yeah. And the answer to his question about why me was very great, very well scripted. Yeah. But I also need to quickly mention that they freaking did the rain kiss before the notebook. Can we just, <laughs> can we just mark that down? Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> a, I thought that was, you know, the a, first epic rain kiss and it was not. Hey, gas. 
you're on notice. <laughs> also, there's no way this was the first episode. No, I know, I know. <laughs> I just, but like, I it, imagine it was happening in old Hollywood a lot. Because like, it happens. I, I mean, I only saw the Notebook once years ago, but like, it was after like a crazy emotional moment, you uh-huh. know. And then yeah. you run and do the rain kiss. But oh yeah. Anyway, just want to. You're on notice, guys. <laughs> One strike, two more, and you're fucking at it. Okay. Yeah, I think after this, I get really frustrated about how much Holden cares about what people think. Yeah. I really do. But this is really what the root of the movie kind of is about again. Because, yes, it's about a guy falling in love with a lesbian, but it's more about a guy coming to terms with his own insecurities Mm -hmm. and biases. and Yeah, get out of that freaking town. Closed-minded way, he just looks at everything. Yeah. Um, And not only him, Banky, too. Oh, Banky, big time. Yeah, like, oh, it's so frustrating. Actually, Banky is probably the worst culprit in making him feel like he's doing something wrong or that he can't move forward in a relationship with her because of her past and because of who she is exactly and even before that you know we see banky and and holden hanging out and then banky's you know dropping f-bombs like he does throughout the whole movie and then for the first time ever Mm. holden calls him on it and he says like you know he's like hey man like you know it's passive aggressive gay bashing it's I know you don't have hate in your heart, so you should find a different way to like channel. Like you're you're angry. You're not angry at gay people. Yeah. So maybe just don't slander a whole group every time you're mad. And then he just immediately goes into like, oh, you're being programmed. Like you know, she's she's getting in your head and all this. And like, this is the kind of stuff where when you watch it by today's standards, you're like, oh, the internet times a thousand. Like, yes. Like thank you with the internet, it would be dangerous. Yes. Like he would be on all those red pill groups and all those like you know the they're they're indoctrinating yeah. our killer children and all that like the ben shapiro types like that's that's just all that's where banky would be absolutely and i think the scene really it in a great way embodies conversations that we've all had like where we haven't we spent years not challenging whether it's our parents or our friends on a certain issue yeah. and then once we're sort of enlightened about it and actually challenge them and you get this it backfires on like oh you're you're one of them now yeah, huh? like, like oh, you're... the college got to you, you right know? Like, yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. so that was a very familiar um feeling that i you know experienced in that was scene. one of my favorite memes ever where it was like like it's like me my entire life like and then it's like the whole family being like go to college you had to go to college to be great make sure you study hard you gotta go to college you want to baba kill it yeah and then it's like as soon as i leave college oh mr fancy college man with his exactly. cool opinions <laughs> oh now you're too good for us and it's like yep the fuck did you tell me my whole life right <laughs> yeah mom no I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one that one struck a chord. <laughs> i'm just kidding um uh, and yeah, uh, and we also get the, but I like that it's still like wrapped in humor, which like, you know, where mm. he does the exercise where he draws the hundred dollar bill, like, you know, it's, you're not supposed to agree with this point of view. It's a very ignorant way of doing it, but it's like a funny way to represent it in a movie. Mm. You know what I mean? Where he draws the four pictures and, and which one gets to the hundred dollar bill first and all that shit. Yeah. I did not like that, um, but yes, I agree with you. Yeah. So then there's not only rocks there, but then we also see Alyssa being a bit alienated by her friends. This is another one I want opinions on. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this one I can be I can understand a little bit more of people having a little bit of problem with it because a I don't I don't have a problem with it because I do probably think and again I don't know groups of lesbians who hang out together but this attitude has to exist somewhere mm-hmm. but I could see if you were a lesbian being mad that this is the only representation of lesbians in the movie because there's not a lot of scenes with a lot of lesbians yes so from the lens of this movie it looks like oh all lesbians are like cold-hearted and would turn right. their back on you if you ever had sex with a man 
But literally, he got inspired to write the scene because a very similar thing happens in that movie Go Fish that the other woman wrote, the lesbian that that inspired this movie. Mm-hmm. She had that thought, and she is in the lesbian community, and she wrote that movie, and she's like, yo, this does happen, and I want to put it in a movie because right. it's not, you know... It's you. You can be treated as a traitor if you if you start having sex with men again right. if you're known as a lesbian. But I can get it if you're a lesbian watching Chasing Amy and be like, "Yo, that's not the only opinion out there." Yeah. So I get it. I understand why you would have a problem with it, but I also don't think it's unrealistic. I I know that there are instances where the lesbian community have like people who experiment. Like, they call themselves a lesbian, but they're, like, not really yeah. that. So I feel like that's how her friends were looking at her. Like, oh, you've been posing this whole time, but really? Well, also, and yeah, and when you watch the movie, uh, we'll, we're getting too into the spoiler section, but when we learn more about Alyssa's past, yeah. it's I, I can kind of understand their perspective on it a little bit more. Mm. We'll, we'll touch on it when we get to the spoiler totally. section. Totally. But yeah, that was an interesting, you know, that was her. We get a little glimpse of how she deals with it. But at the end of the day, this is kind of Holden's movie. Yeah. So yeah, we keep just seeing more kind of the rift is going between him and Banky. And then Banky just all of a sudden brings over an old yearbook from Alyssa's high school and shows him that what the hell? her nickname <laughs> was Finger Cuffs in high school. How did, why, this felt so like immature to me. Yeah. Oh, big time. <laughs> You also have to remember too, like these are while these are adults, they're still like twenty three, twenty four. Well, like no, they're still like twenty three, twenty four. Oh. Like they're still not that. Like they're not people in their thirties. Like guess. they're still like high school was only a couple of years ago. Mm, um, that's true. You know, like I, I still remember at twenty two, twenty three, I was still pretty much a fucking idiot punk kid, <laughs> and I'm still an idiot, but like I'm not a punk kid. I'm no, just, you're I'm, not. I'm an idiot adult now. Um, Don't talk about my boyfriend like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so then we get the finger cuffs, and then he tells him that he ran into an old friend from high school who we cut to, and that's actually yeah. in front of the quick stop, so that's where Clerks takes place. Right. Can we talk about this? Yeah. Because it's sort of like this hip-hop retelling yeah. of the story. I don't know why it kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. <laughs> Just the way the guy was talking? Yeah. yeah it's, I it's... didn't, wasn't a huge fan of that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And uh, <laughs> you even commented, too, when they played a Run DMC song earlier, and a lot of that is... Like, the way... Kevin just likes hip-hop. He's just from that generation who grew up on Run DMC and Right, shit. and that's so, fine. So, this is where I say more, like, where he's not the most prolific filmmaker, where he's more into putting his friends and the things he loves in a movie, as opposed to, like, crafting a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. So, I think a lot of that was just, like, he probably really liked that song. You know what I mean? And, like, put it in there to just... He just was like, yo, I want to showcase some hip-hop in this moment. Uh-huh. And I don't think he... I, again, I don't really... I'm not a Kevin Smith, so I don't know. But I don't think he thought about it too deeply as like a film moment. And more so like, oh, I love this song. It would be funny. This is a funny scene. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up with a bunch of white people in the suburbs, too. There were people who talked like that. You know what I mean? Like, the dude who got hit with a twisted tea can on the internet that everyone keeps fucking talking about. Like, that guy was talking like that. Like, he was dropping N-bombs left and right. And he was the whitest dude on the planet. I do not know what that is. Oh, uh, <laughs> This is going to date this podcast, but yeah, it's a viral video of this guy talking shit at a 7-Eleven and so the guy rocks him with a twisted T. Did this just happen? Yeah, a few months, like a month, not a few months, a few weeks ago. Oh, I missed uh, that one. And then now, like, there's all this advertising for twisted tea, and in the comments on Facebook, people are always, like, making jokes about it. Oh, okay. Sorry, that probably <laughs> is un- unimportant. But anyway, so I just, I think that kind of ignorant moron who grows up in a neighborhood where there are no black people but loves hip-hop, there are morons who talk like yeah, that. Yeah, I, yes. I think with that background knowledge, sure. Okay. It's not great. I don't think, it, <laughs> I think they could have delivered the scene better, and that guy's not even really an actor. He's one of Kevin Smith's buddies. 
So like it just came across as uh, I don't I don't really know how to articulate it. Why is yeah. my question. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like I don't I think he was thinking of it more of like, oh, I'll put my friend in, I'll put some song I like and he'll just deliver it in whatever way he thinks is funny. I don't think he's really I don't think it was as Yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. Like it didn't have to be retold like that yeah. from that guy. It's not great. Alyssa Jones? Shit, I know Alyssa Jones. I mean, I know Alyssa Jones. You know what I'm saying? Me and Rick Ferris used to hang out for a while, right? Just hanging around her house after school and shit because her parents were like never home and shit, right? But one day Rick just whips it out and starts rubbing it on her leg and shit, chasing it around the living room. I was dying. But you know what the crazy bitch did? She fucking drops to her knees and just starts sucking them off right in front of me like I wasn't even there, man. I almost died. But that's not the fucked up part. The fucked up part was Rick, man, right in the middle of it, turns to me and he's pointing at her and he says, Go eat. Just like that, go eat. So I'm like, yo, I'll give it a shot. So I start pulling her pants down and shit all slow because I figure any second she's going to turn around and belt me in the mouth, right? But yo, check this shit out, man. She's all into it, man. She don't try to stop me or nothing. She's all wet and shit and I just start going to work, you know what I'm saying? Me and Rick are going to town on this crazy bitch and she's just loving it. All morning and shit, it was fucked up. So Rick's the one to come up with the nickname because that day she had us locked in tight from both sides like a pair of goddamn Chinese finger cuffs. But basically, the the guy who he's talking about who pulls his dick out, uh, Rick Darris, he's in Clerks, and he's like the guy who all the girls always want to bang, and like mm-hmm. he's he's like in the movie, so you meet him in that movie. So okay. so when you're watching this, you're like, okay, I know Rick Darris, like you know what I mean. But yeah, we find out uh, these stories of, from her in high school where he, she got the name finger cuffs because she was she started blowing Rick Darris while this other guy was taking her from behind, yeah. and they basically she looked like one of those Chinese finger cuff traps. Mm. Um, but the reason that's a big deal to Holden is because she's been making making him feel that he's the only guy she's ever slept with that she's right. been a lesbian her entire life and this is the first time she's ever had sex with a guy right which made him feel special but now he's learning that that's not true at all right. and that she's had a lot of sex for her entire life basically and that immediately just gets in holden's head and he just he can't get rid of that information nope. he tries to play it off like this is some bullshit this guy's uh yeah you know so, yeah, that just gets right in Holden's head. And he, as much as he tries to dismiss it, he can't stop thinking about that. Um, and I think that should lead us into our spoiler section. Let's go. All right. So that brings us to the local hockey match. Oof. That what a scene. Oh, my God. So, yeah, this is where all of that bubbling kind of thoughts that Holden has about Alyssa and her past is just eating him up inside. And you can just see him at this game not having any fun. Yeah. Plus, she's being awesome and like busting balls and like just being hilarious like yeah there was a great balance of seriousness and humor yeah especially with like their surroundings and like the people listening in on the conversation yeah what was your take on the way she was kind of playing it where she was acting like playing dumb like she didn't like she couldn't remember the story or yeah yeah she's kind of probing her saying like you know like hey you know i heard about finger cuffs what is that and then you know she's kind of acting like she doesn't remember Again, I was in that mindset of maybe something traumatic happened to her. So she was just trying to avoid the conversation. So like I knew something was up, but like I didn't know like exactly what she was trying, why she was trying to hide it even. And what I do like is when she does blow up and tell him like, you know, like I, I, I blew him all. Well, what's his face? Fuck me. You know, yeah. <laughs> Cody, that was his name. And I like that she wasn't playing dumb because she was trying to like hide it from him. She wasn't even necessarily ashamed. Yeah. She was just like mad that like he was being this petty. And wasn't asking her directly. Yeah, like yeah. he was acting very childish about the whole thing. And I think it like threw her off. So yeah, that, that leads to them storming outside and having another blow up. <laughs> and this is where we really learn about Alyssa's past. Yeah. But even before that too, I loved 
how like the guy sitting next to him was like, yeah, even I knew where you were getting at. Yeah, like, yeah. And he's <laughs> like, come on, guy, even I knew what you were getting at. And then he turns to his friend, he's like, I yeah. told you these are good seats. But yeah, this this fight outside yeah, in the another lot. one where Joey Lauren Adams just crushes it. Like I think Affleck's great in this, but I think she outdoes him in all these big dramatic scenes, mm-hmm. just in terms of acting ability. I was almost like scared for how high her voice was going. Like I was a little distracted by how high pitched she was yelling. Really? I will say, yeah. Like I thought the acting was great, but for some reason it's at a frequency that like I'm like, ooh, you oh, know. Interesting. <laughs> it's also like her ability to produce tears on the spot, and oh, then yeah. Ben Affleck was doing. They were doing the classic. The tears already streaming when you cut to him because they had to, you know, put put some drops in his eyes. Oh, yeah, you can always tell. Wait, do you know that for sure? No, but you can just it's filmmaking 101 if you have an actor who can cry on command you're gonna mm. catch it with the camera yeah if you can't you're gonna have to fake it yeah so anytime you see somebody in the middle of a scene like giving a monologue and all of a sudden a stream comes out like that is legit but yeah. when it cuts away and then cuts back and their eyes are all wet like ben affleck mm-hmm. it was just like yeah it's it's uh they got you oh yeah but this but, yeah, was really intense really intense and then we learn that you know it's not only is she like a lesbian who's kind of like thin like she's sexually been around the block like she's tried it basically all you know and from a very young age too and you know she starts telling him everything right off the bat she's like did i tell you that i went to prom with a 26 year old Mm -hmm. and then i left to to go you know i have sex with him in the back of his car and this and that yeah um so these are more i'm not gonna go into all of them here but these are more characters from other movies oh and so one of the funny ones is uh he said, she says, what about the time I let Shannon Hamilton uh, film us having sex? Shannon Hamilton was Ben Affleck's character in the second movie. Mm-hmm. And he one of the plot lines in that is he has sex with Alyssa's sister. And it's a whole storyline. But basically, she's 15, but she's writing a book about the male orgasm. So she's mm-hmm. doing all this sexual research at a young age. Oh, man. And she films them all for research. And then so she, she has sex with Ben Affleck's character and films it. And then later, he's the villain. So they want to get back at him. So they play that tape before everyone he goes to jail for having sex with a minor oh snap so it's just a funny line of her saying i had sex with shannon hamilton and let him film me when her sister filmed herself having sex with shannon also and he went to jail for it oh my god so it's just like a funny little like like oh yeah yeah that's that's, wow hey that girl's only 15 15 that she was 36 this was another scene that I feel like could be taken multiple ways because at first I thought she was crying because she was ashamed, but you know, of yeah. how much sexual history she has. But then I realized as the conversation went on that she's actually crying out of frustration that he is so sensitive to the fact that she's had all this. Yeah, experience. I look at it as she's crying because she truly actually loves him and like so much of him is perfect for her. Right. But then when things like this come out, it's like heartbreaking because it's mm-hmm. like, like how could these both come from the same person? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like on one hand, you're, you're the, one of the most understanding, open people I've ever met who I can really be myself around. Right. And on the other hand, you're going to throw this shit at me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like it, it breaks your heart because she doesn't want to hate him. But in that moment, she's like, fuck you for, you know, for this. Yeah. But I love so the true. lines of just like, like I'm not apologizing for shit I did before you and I ever even knew he existed which is valid yeah it's like that's not that's not what this is about yeah and like and it's true because nothing that she does is bad it's just mm-hmm. you know not his lifestyle you know what i mean and right. so like like you know she's not it's not like she was like a criminal in the past or yeah like, 
It is sad that he like can't let it go. I just feel like what you were saying resonated re- like really in the scene. Like I could see both sides. Yeah. But like I really feel like he needs to like give a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And let it go. So yeah, they have this huge fight, and then uh, we're kind of in the sulking moment of all rom coms. Mm. But again, I think this movie earns it. Like like most rom coms do it out of formula. Mm. It's like fuck, we have to have them have a fight because we're coming up to the third act, and without this, you know, because it's always like we meet. We have a great time. We fall yeah. in love. Then we fight. We fix the fight. And then we live happily ever after. Right. Most rom-coms right there. And this movie follows that structure too. I just think the plot is interesting enough that it kind of breaks that. So thankfully we get one more Hooper scene because he's been so absent from this movie. Like, cause he was so important in the beginning to get them to meet. But yeah. like once they meet, like he really has nothing left to do. I thought that was going to be the last time we saw him. Yeah. So I was really happy to see him pop up again. So we get the, the record scene, record store scene. And there's a lot of funny in this scene, but before we get to that, I find it to just be another awesome layer to this movie where Hooper's telling Holden, like you were very quick to come to terms with her being a lesbian and that was that freaked you out for a second and you were fine but right. the second you found out that they were she had sex with other dudes now all of a sudden yep she's a different kind of person and you know like it's something you couldn't believe she yeah could what ever does that do. say about you exactly and like and then he comments that like from the gay community perspective that you know lately and then like it's the 90s like lesbian chic is the new thing and everyone likes to act like lesbians are cute and it's hot and dudes like to you know he doesn't say this but like you know mm. dudes find lesbian porn hot like, the same dudes who might be like, ew, you're fucking gay, you right. know, like, are the same dudes who will jack it to a lesbian porn. Yeah. So he's like, so Cooper's showing his frustration as a gay man of just being like, like, all of a sudden people like you think it's fucking cool and hip to be a lesbian when, you know, I bet five years ago, they were just as, you know, like, we were all just gay people, you know what exactly, I mean? Exactly, exactly. So I, I thought that was cool and gave Hooper a little bit more and then... <laughs> Speaking was, the truth. Getting everyone so in line. Funny. And then we get one more hilarious uh, when the little kid shows up. I live for this scene. <laughs> and he's like, are you Hooper X? And he's like, alright. <laughs> he just turns it on immediately, <laughs> like struts over to him. Uh, and then he goes, you see this man? Pointing at Holden. <laughs> and he's like, that's the devil. <laughs> Don't ever take your eyes off the devil. Oh, that's why I wrote this man is the devil. <laughs> I was like, who did I not like? It was that scene. <laughs> I just love it. He's like, you never keep... And then that kid's acting of just like mad serious, just never <laughs> taking his eyes off Ben Affleck. Yeah. Like, Yo, that was the best. <laughs> Even when like he gets his autograph too and he's walking away, yeah, he's still he, looking. He like backs away up the stairs while staring at it. <laughs> And then he's just like, oh, the things I need to do for publicity in this business. <laughs> and I just love how, like, for, like, Affleck, he's just, like, he's just, like, rolling his eyes. Like, he's seen this a thousand times. Like, yep. oh, here we go again. <laughs> so this whole movie, we, you know, we haven't seen Jane Silent Bob, which is pretty weird for a Kevin Smith movie because they were very prevalent in Clerks and Mallrats. Mm. Like, they were in, the movie wasn't about them, but they show up constantly, like, all the time. Uh, so in this one, it kind of seems like you're only going to get them in terms of Blunt Man and Chronic. But we, yes, we got a scene of, of Holden and them at a diner. And this is where we learn Holden's paying them money. So he's actually been paying them for their likeness. Mm-hmm. And they don't go into details, but you assume that similar to the way Kevin Smith wrote Jane to his movies, Holden knew these guys in real life, thought I can fucking turn these guys into characters. Right. And they created a blunt man and chronic based off them. First of all, I learned a new term in this scene. What's that? When uh, Jay goes, yo, toss the salad. I had no idea that that was a term. Oh, That's really? so cool. Yeah. For pass the cash. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. There's a much grosser term for toss the oh, salad. Oh, no. Yeah, it's, oh. It's kind of like a prison term, but well, uh, Uh-oh. it just it's, yeah, it involves 
It's, it's sexual acts. I don't like gross. that. Yeah, I like the tossed a salad. Yeah. Like, Maybe he said pasta salad. Maybe he did. He probably said I pasta salad. I don't remember salad. which one he said. So. Okay, but I like the idea of like referring to cash as salad. Yeah, that's pretty good. Because <laughs> yeah, this kind of just fills out that little bit of backstory we didn't get of what of where Blunt Man and Chronic came from. Right. But immediately Holden starts telling them about his girl troubles and Jay just immediately talking shit out of his ass not giving the worst advice of all time and like, talking rudely to the waitress talking rudely to the waitress like quoting ice cube and he's like ah hey, don't worry man remember cube says life ain't nothing but bitches and money and he's just oh, like God. <laughs> just like just the amount he just seemed like he genuinely like could just talk like you said like that's who he is right yeah, it, yeah. It, to an extent i'm sure they over dramatize it for the movie but like eh, kind of but not a, not a lot uh, a lot but i'm just always impressed by people who just talk you know <laughs> yeah yeah like all he needs is like one line from somebody and then he'll just go off exactly um and then we also get the obligatory once in every movie uh silent bob speaking he speaks once or at least once sometimes twice in every movie he knew finger cuffs yeah yeah he's like you're dating finger cuffs like he says it like yo you're bold man you yeah. know like, and then i immediately wrote yo get out of this jersey town yeah exactly it's so i don't like it at um, all but yeah and holden's kind of spilling kind of really the whole conceit of the whole movie where he's saying how you know it freaks her sexual history freaks him out you know he's so inexperienced so how can he ever live up to what she has gotten in the past finally getting honest like to the and, root and of... then you get the moment you've been waiting for where we hear the term oh, chasing amy finally <laughs> at this point too i gave up i was like all right i guess chasing amy's a term oh, whatever well i thought you might have figured it out because in the opening credits it said uh blunt man and chronic slash chasing amy comic drawn by so oh, i thought maybe i didn't see that i thought maybe you would have read that and been like oh, okay so because the comic book artist chasing amy is going to be the name of a comic no i was reading those things off and on oh, okay. i was like i'll get it all right because <laughs> i actually don't like that that's in there because that's uh, kind of like a you know thing that happens at the end yeah yeah so then silent bob uh breaks the silence and i like because his whole thing in, in clerks was that he kind of gives the one piece of wisdom that helps the main character at the end mm. and that was kind of kevin smith's idea for the character but i like that he's already making fun of himself here where he starts to talk and then holden's like holy shit what'd you say and jay's like what do you like so surprised for this fat bitch does this all the time he <laughs> just thinks because he doesn't talk a lot when he does talk it's, we're all gonna listen because it's profound. i like that a lot <laughs> yeah like he like made fun of him for it <laughs> yeah um but yeah in terms of every time silent bob has ever talked this is hands down the best written, best delivered. Like mm. this is actually my favorite. I know it's weird to say, but my favorite rendition of Silent Bob. Interesting. Um, he plays him a little differently, uh, like sometimes, and including in the most recent movie, like it's not even Silent Bob anymore. It's just Kevin Smith not talking. He's just not acting like the way this character usually acts, hmm. which is weird because he doesn't have that many traits. <laughs> he, he just stands there silently. But it's it's just weird. But I loved. Uh, I'd be interested to see that. Like I don't understand how he could not be. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll show you some stuff. All right. Um, Look it up, folks. Yeah, we'll talk about it at the end. But also, like, the way like the way he talks to Jay, like, kind of the, the way he plays Bob is, like, super fed up with Jay's bullshit. Mm -hmm. And, like, when he does talk, like, he's actually, like, just he's not as stupid as Jay, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, he's just like, like he's like, what the fuck you know about me? Do you know I wanted to be a Vegas dancer? Yeah. Like, you know, that shit, you know? And, like, he's just more like, yo, I listen to you talk all the goddamn time. Now you <laughs> shut the fuck up. I like that. And I just love when Jay, like, tries to, like, say something or, or hit him or whatever. And then he just goes do something and like, yeah something. you were laughing out loud on that i'm i'm sorry though like even as awesome as this speech was i could not help but be distracted by 
Jay eating spoonfuls of sugar yep. in the background. Yep. That was so gross. Yeah, that was, that was just Jay's idea. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I was so distracted. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised that's something he did in normal life. Jay has had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of issues about drugs. Oh, no. I'm not talking out of school. He talks about it a lot. But uh, like in like in this scene, like he was he was like half strung out on heroin while they were oh, filming this scene. That sucks. So he was just making weird weird decisions and shit. Mm. Um, he's healthy now, but oh, I'm glad. Yeah, he doesn't look good, but he he's healthy. Oh, I or mean, relatively healthy. That's better than not yeah. being healthy. So yeah, he tells him basically he had a very similar situation to Holden uh, with a woman named Amy. He did the exact same thing Holden did, where you know he he freaked out, stormed out, walked away, and then but unlike. Holden, he's had time to reflect on it, and he realizes that it was stupid and immature and childish for him right. to act like that. And then every day he's been chasing Amy, so to yeah, speak. yeah. I like that term of like chasing. Yeah. You know, it's like chasing your last high or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, just like chasing that feeling that you got, you know, right. like from her. Um, which is really cool. I, I don't know how this speech inspired him to make decisions yeah, that he would make. This, yeah, shortly. this leads to kind of. The big one of the probably the big final moment of the movie. <laughs> I where, was not ready for we're this. We're at we're at Holden and Banky's apartment. It actually looks really like as nice as it's ever looked. Like it's very clean. There's candles. Like yeah. it doesn't look like people are hanging around playing Sega. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then he, you know, he gets Alyssa and Banky there. So Holden actually does come to a pretty mature place before he makes this offer. He does. Where he actually he, he realizes he's like Alyssa, none of this is your fault. It's it's my own problems that i'm trying to deal with and so i need to find a way to fix that and also with banky like they've been had a rift coming in between them ever since they started dating melissa and he feels that way and he he's got a 20 year old friendship and and plus some potential unrequited feelings right which um what's his name hooper hooper has been pointing out since the beginning of the film yeah like he says uh he says to holden like that boy loves you in a way he doesn't want to admit yet yeah or he's not ready to deal with kind of admits it too where after he catches holden and Alyssa have sex and he's like really bummed out about it but like you don't really know why and he's just like i'm just afraid that this is gonna blow up and then we're gonna end up destroying something that we built for 20 years and Mm. he's like we're not gonna destroy our friendship man like the or like this comic like it's all gonna be good and he's like that's not what i was talking about yeah and, well and, i thought he was referring to the friendship but now that you say it yep no yeah. that, was, that was banky like that was like the closest he gets to saying like ooh. Um, you know ooh. so holden's big grand plan is for Alyssa realizes it halfway while he's saying it and she's just <laughs> begging him not to and i gotta say i was surprised at myself that i even knew where he was going yeah but he says in order to fix all their problems that the three of them should have a threesome together. Which is so funny because Jaw like dropping. He, he then explains his way of thinking and like on paper it's not like the dumbest idea. Like if, if you take out human emotions, right. it actually does solve every problem. But you're not factoring in so many other things that, yeah. that Alyssa ends up bringing up. Oh yeah. But you know, his whole like, thing is that this would get this would get him to open up more sexually and do something that Alyssa has already done, so he would understand where she's coming from and that kind of stuff. Right, and uh, have ex- experiences of his own. Exactly. Um, he thinks Alyssa wants a freak because she's always had freaky sex, so this would kind of come. This would give her what she wants, which is like a nice freaky moment, but with somebody she loves. Right. Banky and her would lose their tension because they would share this intimate moment, and then Banky would get to finally, basically act on his feelings of being in love with his best friend by having sex with him but the fact that there's a girl there it kind of eases it into eases him into it and makes him feel not as weird right you know because i've i've never done this but i know dudes especially in college like when they would 
like threesomes, two dudes and a girl. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, normally those dudes have no interest in other naked men, but like they've done that. You know what I mean? So interessant. Yeah, it's you know, they make that <laughs> joke the fucking Andy Samberg joke that's uh-huh. not gay if it's in a three way. It's like, uh, the, joke, the, the song yeah. they wrote with Oh yeah, the Michael. SNL show. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's obviously played for laughs in that, but but yeah, that's so how it's people like address he's, their... that's how he's like almost presenting it to Banky. Like, you know, like I'm not asking you to have gay sex. I'm asking yeah. you, let's have a threesome and then maybe we'll, we'll explore something. And as soon as Banky tries to reject it, Ben Affleck goes in for the full on kiss. Yeah. This call, I was not expecting, you know, I was really surprised how far, like, I didn't know they were going to go all the way with that banky you thought it was just gonna be subtle like yeah you, like you end the movie and be like you think banky was gay yeah <laughs> you know, like, exactly i did not know they were gonna like have him face it yeah and it like it perfectly just explains like why he's so closeted closeted and, like, and just like frustrated all the time yeah and just and also just put so much anger on the gay community like yeah. dropping f-berms like call, using the word dyke and like you know just like everything everything gay is like derogatory to him you know right. what i mean Banky actually accepts the deal. Yeah. Um, and then Alyssa does not, and I, I think her reasoning just is perfect. Like, like the way she just realizes, like, yo, you and me are on different. We're just in different places. Yeah. Like, like we could love each other, but also recognize that, like, you have been sexually conservative your entire life. For the first time ever, you want to explore that because you met me. But I already explored that. Like, mm. she says, like, I'm done. Like, I no longer am searching for that. Like, yeah. I, I looked. I looked everywhere. And I realized what I wanted. And I found what I wanted. And it's you. But you don't know what you want yet. Yeah. And, like, oh, it's just heartbreaking. Like, it's... It, it really is. And the fact that, you know, she even brings up how this could open another can of worms. Yeah. Like, what if I look at Banky in a way that bothers you and you can't and then I ruin your friendship with him and Not, then... yeah, or like what if what if you regret being sexually open and then right. you always look at me as the woman who who made you do something that you always regretted even Those though... are real concerns. Yeah, like they, she she lists a bunch of them. I can't remember them all, but yeah, they were all really good. My biggest concern was how do you get turned on that quickly? Like you can't just go into it. Oh, <laughs> Unless yeah, yeah, this was yeah. just a proposal, and then well, because that they just proved that that Holden just really <laughs> truly didn't understand Melissa yet. Yeah, like he just was like, well, or the concept of being sexually free. Yeah, I think because you know he hears stories of like, oh, I'm hanging out with two dudes from high school. One pulls his dick down, starts chasing me around the apartment. Next thing you know, I'm having sex with both of them. So right. he probably is like, oh, Alyssa loves crazy, spontaneous shit like this. You know. Yeah. Meanwhile, like that was 18 year old Alyssa, not. Whatever, I guess. I assume they're like 26 in this. I don't yeah. really know how old they are. I imagine they were just in their mid-20s. Yeah, and then she, she gives that final line of like, I love you. Like, I, I forget exactly what she says, but then and then she after she says, I love you or whatever, she, then she slaps him and says, but I'm not your fucking whore. Yo. And I was like... She ended it well. Yeah. I, I was not mad at that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you're not supposed to be on Holden's side at this moment. Like, mm-hmm. And it's what I also just like... You know, Kevin Smith is a very self-deprecating guy. He kind of built his whole career of being like, hey, I'm the fat loser who never gets laid. And like, you know, he's he'll be the first to make fun of himself and how he makes movies just so he can beat people to the punch. And be like, yeah, yeah, my movies are boring. Like, mm. the, the, the camera doesn't move a lot. It's, my, it's what I do, you know? Like, he'll right. always shit on himself. And it, sometimes it can be a little annoying. And those sometimes they, those people can be like bit of, a bit of Debbie Downers from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it works so well when writing a character like Holden, because this movie... It's not about like normally when you f- follow a main character, they want you to feel good about yourself in the end. Mm-hmm. And he's supposed to have this like the main character is supposed to have this big kind of redemptive moment almost. And while we do kind of get that in this, I like that he's not afraid to like 
Like, most movies wouldn't shit on the main character the way Holden gets shit on when there's eight minutes left in the movie. Mm-hmm. Especially in a rom-com. Like, you'd, you'd want to write a win to make your audience feel good and be right. like, yay, you know, love does conquer all. But he, like, went the real route and he was just like, no, like, this character, like, because this, this character was him, he understands that he's like, this character was wrong and he has to, like, basically hit rock bottom to learn that he was wrong. Like, it, we can't just have a speech and then all of a sudden Alyssa and him live happily ever after. Like, it's not... Yeah. It's not it's, really... Like, he's got a lot to work through here. It's ending it where the lesson was learned rather than the lesson learned, they make it right and get what they... Yeah, because he does learn his lesson, but then he's still not 100% there because his method of solving it is still wrong. Yeah. So, like, he learns the error of his ways, but then he's still mad ignorant. Yeah. And so I like that because it's not just a quick flip of a switch and be like, oh, I'm better now. You know, but it, it's almost like, imagine uh, the movie where the guy chases the girl at the airport and catches her at the gate, you know, like those, mm-hmm. the, that cliche. But then the girl's like, hey, oh, fuck yourself. Like, you know, and then the movie <laughs> ends, you'd be like, what the fuck? Like, you just wouldn't see it coming. So we wrap this film up by flashing to one year later. I, I can't believe that was a... Okay. Yeah, we're at the New York Comic Con, and then we're back to e- Ethan Supley playing the same fan, <laughs> talking to uh, Banky, who's now there with his new comic, Baby Dave. Yes, uh, that was really funny. Yeah. But you do have to explain this scene to me. What do you mean? In terms of what's happening between Holden and Banky in this scene. Like, I didn't really understand what had happened there. Uh, yeah, it's more... Because at first I was like, is Banky, like, dreaming Holden? It, it kind of looks like that. <laughs> and I think that's, again, ugh, I hate to say because I love Kevin Smith, but, like, I think that just might be his, like, inexperience in certain scenes because it is framed in a way where it looks like Holden doesn't exist. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, wait, I was so confused. I was no, like... It's not, it's not all that complicated. I think it's just that they haven't spoken literally since that moment, so it's been a full year since they talked. I think, uh... they, just, like, literally, I think they just moved out. Or maybe not since they talked, but, like... We're friends. Like okay. I think, I think that led to them being like, we have to find a new place for splitting this partnership up. Like partnership up, we gotta go. And then it was kind of just Holden just showing up, being like, "Yo, I read your comic. It was awesome. I'm still there for you. Like we're not gonna, okay. Like we might not be in each other's lives, but we had a shared moment. Because after that, that's when Banky does his his little his symbol of a shared moment, right? And that's him saying like like what you and I had was a shared moment, and like I'm not demeaning that. Okay. You know, like in that moment, I was wrong, and I shouldn't have said, "Let's all have sex together" and all that. And it's basically like it's his like little classy way of saying I'm sorry without having a long drawn out speech. Okay. And plus, since Banky's not really a talking kind of guy, like it just seemed like it made more sense. Okay. Of him just being like, "Hey, man, it's me. Like, I'm, I'm I read your book. You're doing great. You thumbs up it." And then Banky was like, "Nice." You know? Okay. So it's not very complicated. I think it's just yeah. Yeah. It I is. Just... It's framed very weird. It looks. <laughs> you're not wrong at all. It looks like this motherfucker is. A all right. Ghost. Cool. I didn't know if like I was like. And if we, if we didn't have the next scene, I might have thought he was a ghost. <laughs> yeah. You know? Especially with, like, Banky just coming to terms with who he is yeah. and his sexuality that, like, maybe it's just him. I'm also bad on Ghost Watch because I still famously thought Batman was a ghost at the end of Dark Knight Rises and he was not. Oh. And I was just like, yeah, it's a ghost. And people <laughs> are like, no, it's Batman sitting at a cafe. And I'd be like, really? <laughs> I would have guessed ghost, but uh, like I walked out and I was like, "Yo, Batman died, and there was a ghost <laughs> of Batman." You remember that shit? And people were like, "No." I remember Batman surviving and then getting some coffee, and the movie ended. Oh, that is <laughs> hilarious! So I'm bad on Ghost Watch for oh, sure. Oh my god! So that's what that feels like. And then yeah, the final, final, final scene is Alyssa is at her table. She's mm. uh, with a new girlfriend. Mm. 
Um, and I, I kind of like the girlfriends. Like, she's not from the comic world, so she's like, "What? You she call these people contemporaries? Like, <laughs> you know, like she's yeah. kind of making fun of I, her." I'm, I don't know. I'm a little salty towards this new girlfriend. <laughs> wow. I don't like new people. <laughs> <laughs> and then Holden comes, and that's when he drops the chasing Amy book on her uh, table. Yeah. And uh, and even she was like, "Who's Amy?" <laughs> well, no, she was like, "I didn't write this." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just she joking. didn't hear the Amy story from Silent Bob. I know, Bob, I know, so I know. And then yeah, it was kind of great. They, it's, I like that they kept this interaction pretty brief, mm-hmm. and I like that they let the book kind of speak for itself, where. Holden actually wrote their entire experience into a yeah. book. But like more... she could flip through it and see yeah. moments. But like with more introspection. Like, you know, like I think I imagine his book was a little bit more. It was like more like Silent Bob's story where he had some time to sit on it and realize that he was in the wrong. Because mm-hmm. the last page of the book is him. It says, I'm sorry, Alyssa, wherever right. you are. And then, yeah, he gives her the book and uh, strolls off. This is so. such a freaking Andy ending. <laughs> yeah. I That's all I you thought. You were so mad. You booed when the credits <laughs> rolled. You know, it's just, I will be honest, half of it or 75% of it is me just being brainwashed by all the rom-coms that I've watched and how they normally end. To want the happy ending? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we'll talk about it and be on the credits in a little bit. But yeah, I will say my initial reaction was, really? (laughs) That's where we're ending it? Um, But I mean, I'm not mad at it. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah. Um, I will say if it did end with them getting together, then there would have been a lot more angry lesbian community people. Oh, yeah. I think, I think that. Well, I don't. I didn't. Again, I'll save it for me on the credits. Yeah, Sorry. Okay. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I did like this exchange between the two of them. I thought it was very realistic. And I thought that her emotions during it were very authentic. Like yeah. they were very grounded in mm-hmm. reality. That was awesome. Usually I like LOL at the look back, but I thought this was a good look back yeah. <laughs> in terms of, you know, Ben Affleck walking away, looking back. I think it's a great ending. Oh, man. Should we just uh, start talking about best worst? Yeah, let's go. We've been we've been going long here. <laughs> I was going to do character at first, but there's not that many characters and like worst would have been hard. So I kind of went with like best worst person. So not necessarily how much you enjoy the character, but like in terms of just like being shitty. Okay. I mean, it's a, mine's pretty obvious. It's pretty. Hoover. Yeah, Hoover's my yeah, best. Yeah, he is the best. Just because his his goddamn sunny disposition about everything, even yeah. though when he has nothing, I did say Banky for that for the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly just because, especially when juxtaposed with Hooper, like here's a guy who like literally has so much going good for him, and he's just always angry all the time. Like, right. He's not not only you know take take outside the whole like you know straight white male society gives him a leg up that's a given that's an obvious mm-hmm. but the fact that he has a very successful comic more successful than any of his other peers and like nothing just like he just always seems to be like a in a shitty fucking mood and like a bad headspace mm-hmm. and and then lashes out to other people for it so yeah i just like well he's very i love him as a character and watching him is very entertaining and jason lee is so good at portraying him he is like he nails it so i'm not saying like i hate when bank is on screen i'm mad but like if we're building down to the person's kind of morality. Yeah, Banks is probably the worst. Yeah, I would say. And that... I kind of, I kind of lumped in Alyssa's friends as my runner-up, but like <laughs> there wasn't one of them. Like there was just kind of a group mentality, uh, and we only saw one scene. I second what you said with Banky, but if I'm gonna pick a worst, I'm just gonna pick the hip hop reenact reenactor guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's gonna sucks. be my worst. I'm sorry, Cody. Whatever. <laughs> what the hell was that? Oh, my least favorite <laughs> part Jay. of the movie. <laughs> Jay. Oh, Jay. Yeah. 
but I, I again, he has like a, a charm to him. I don't yeah. know what it is. He doesn't have a mean bone in his body. He's just trying to be shocking. Yeah. Like, he would never do anything to that waitress. He just wanted to be like, what's up, lady? What's up, baby? Like, he just right. thinks it's cool to I'll roll my, on chicks. Exactly. I'll roll my eyes at him all day, but yeah. whatever. My best worst, the one that I was able to come up with was best worst surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Because, and I know this doesn't really apply to you, but maybe if you could put yourself in the mindset of like the first time you watched this movie, yeah. I will say for me, the gayness all around was the biggest surprise to me. Like yeah. I did not know that, that this would be a film that that addressed being gay, lesbianism, so and all cool. that. Like That's so cool. I did not know that at all. So that was the best surprise for me. I thought it was pretty cool. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Hooper's turn in the first scene. Him, oh, him yeah, being yeah, yeah. the black Milton and then finding out he's like <laughs> the gayest dude on the planet. Oh, that's really great. That's yeah, a great Because that, that one, like, as much as I had knew about this movie, I truly didn't know about him. Like, you know, that caught me off guard so uh, much. Worst? I don't know. I'm going to pick it because it was a surprise that I didn't even realize. So it's worst on my part, but Casey Affleck. <laughs> I don't even know what to pick. Like, yeah. there wasn't really a surprise that I was like... <laughs> Did we really need that? Yeah. I can't really think of anything. I sucked at best worst this week. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. But it uh, sounds I like you didn't have... I just have one more, um, but uh, you, it's going to be hard because I had to do research, but it was uh, just my best worst line in the movie. Ooh. So I don't know if you remember any off the top of your head. I do not. Hey, it's fine. Do you want to tell me yours, though? Sure. My favorite was from Silent Bob where he mentions that he dated a girl named Amy a couple of years ago, and Jay's like, when? And he goes, a couple of years ago? And he goes, why don't I know that? And he goes, bitch, what you don't know about me, I could just about squeeze into the Grand fucking Canyon. <laughs> so, as if to be like, yo, I have a whole life of stuff you've never even heard of. Exactly. Like, like I just love it. That added so much, like, intrigue to Silent Bob for me. But I was yeah. like, ooh, what's he doing? Oh, that's <laughs> so true. Time. My worst is, it's not the writing of the line, it's the delivery of it, because I don't mm-hmm. know what direction this actor was given or what this is trying to portray exactly uh-huh. but it's when they're in the diner and Alyssa decides to buy the painting and she's oh. haggling with the guy who works at the uh, thing she's like how much is that the Shayevsky and she, he goes like $60 or whatever and she goes I'll give you 15 and then all of a sudden he gets real cocky and he goes Manuel <laughs> please get the Dashevsky off the wall and yeah. then like gives her this evil smile and then it cuts to her being like, I have a new Dishevsky. And I was just like, wait, she just got it for $65 off. Why are you acting cocky like you just conned her? Yeah. Did you notice that? No, I did. I thought that was weird as well. Yeah, I like didn't... I never, I've seen this movie 30 times. I have no fucking idea what they were trying to do. I thought it was 75, but she got it for 50, so $25. I off. thought it was 15. Oh. If, either way, though, it doesn't make any sense. Why is he acting like, haha, gotcha? Yeah, he like, didn't even like haggle back. Yeah, like he said it as if like she just bought a cursed painting and she didn't know. Like, yeah. He's like, oh man, well, get that Dabshayeski off what, the wall. What if it was just like just weird way of Kevin Smith making fun of people who buy art in Maybe, restaurants or something. Know. I don't know. I found that when I watched the commentary that that uh, that's Rip Torn's son. Who's that? I knew it. Uh, <laughs> he's the he's in everything. Um, <laughs> All right. When I, when you watch the Larry Sanders show with me, he was his like manager. That kind of like the the dude. Oh, like the gruff guy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. come on, Larry, we gotta go do this. He was the leader in Men in Black. Like he ran the organization. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing a white guy. Wow. I'll Google him. Oh, I'm seeing a white guy. 
I just told you it was this white guy's son. <laughs> this white guy was his dad. Yeah. No, but I'm seeing I'm I'm seeing the sh- the silhouette. He's a very rough, rough, rough kind of guy. All right, whatever. All right, that's Rip Torn's son. Thought it was interesting. Cool. Any thoughts? No, but I'd like. I'm to not sure that anyone will hear what you've got to say, young lady. But don't take this as a threat. But I killed a man like you in Korea, hand to hand. But that was my worst line. If you don't have any, it's fine. It's hard to come up with those off the top of your head. Like, I actually Googled, like, the quotes and I was reading through them to, like, pick my favorite. I'll pick a best. What's a newbie in here? Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> I don't have a worst, but that's my best. That's fantastic. Oh, I have a, I have a runner-up for best. Okay. Uh, when when the super fan, Ethan Supli, is talking to whole, uh, Banky at the end. And he's like, I just want to thank you for writing these comics, man. Oh. I love the dick jokes. I love them. Yep. And like, like he says it as if it's like this like high art. Yep. Or his dick and fart jokes. I love the dick and fart jokes. I love them. Uh, like, he really loves them. <laughs> he's like, he lives for them. <sighs> all right. That's all I got. We, we moving on? Beyond. All right. So I'm going to do something a little different for Beyond the Credits here. Oh. Uh, I'm going to have you give me what you think. Then we're actually going to pause the recording and watch something and then discuss it. Ooh. So why don't you just tell me what you kind of got going in your brain here? I actually think that they revisit their friendship because I do think at the root, they do have a true love. So what I'm hoping happened is Ben Affleck or Holden use this time apart to actually explore, you know, and have those experiences sexually now that he's not in a relationship with her. You know what I mean? And then... Hopefully they can get. I really like the idea of them being together. So hopefully he could like eventually get over that. Mm-hmm. Now that we're in beyond the credits, I want to go into detail of what I found funny about Ben Affleck's proposal for the threesome. Because honestly, I think that they, if he didn't bring that up, there was a good chance that they would have gotten back together. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he really ruined it for them or Big for time. him Big time. by bringing that up. Yep. And it, that that really amazed me. That like that was. He thought that he he was losing her and he needed a way to like get her back. When in fact, if he just left it alone, they probably would have gone back together. Yeah, and <laughs> that was kind of the thing she was trying to tell him this whole time was that like I don't want you to be whatever the fuck you think I want you to be. Like, yes. I want you to be what you are, which is you. Like, I like you because I met you. I didn't meet the guy. Like, I didn't meet someone who's gonna eat my asshole in a bathroom. Like, you know, right. like, like I, I I know who those guys are. I'm good. Yeah. Like, I did that already. And I had those experiences so I could figure out what I want. And yeah. what I want is you as you are. Yes, exactly. Jesus Christ. So what I hope that he does in my Beyond the Credits dream, I guess, is that he uses this time apart to actually figure out whatever he needs to figure out about himself. Yep. So that way they could eventually get back together because she knows what she wants. Yep. So he just needs to figure out what he wants. And if, you know, he has those experiences and figures out finally that it's her, then they can get back together because they're really cute. Yeah. (laughs) So Um, that's my beyond the credits. That's cool. Going off of that, what I really like is that they don't boil down Alyssa, quote unquote, knowing what she wants as being some kind of like gender or gay or straight choice. Mm -hmm. It's more about the type of person. Yeah. And then we get that early in her speech where she says like, I thought for the longest time I was gay because I thought I just wanted to be with a woman because that's what felt right to me. But the only reason I started dating women is because I, I thought if I only look for men, I'm cutting out half of my options. Mm. And that's a very silly thing to do. But then by going full gay and not looking at men, I actually re- did the same thing all over again. Right. So 
one of the big criticisms of this movie is that it's like it's a they say it's like a straight man's fantasy of like turning a gay woman mm. and i just don't see that's why i say i don't know if you've seen the whole movie because a that never really happens and b by seeing her being the next person she's with is a woman it's not like she goes like oh i know what i want i want a man with a dick like it's, <laughs> i want your Per- I want you like who you are on the right. inside whether or not that's a man or a woman doesn't fucking matter yeah and so like that's the only reason why like I don't like all like some of the criticism I just find is a little unfair where it's like yeah this isn't you know because Ben Affleck even jokes like after she gives her whole impassioned speech about why she chose him and he goes all right but can I uh really just tell my friends you were just looking you all you really needed was some nice deep dick right and then they both laugh and it's like People like to act like that's the message of the movie, and I don't think it is at all. No. So people are always like, oh, it's fucking... Like, I just see so many articles of being like, the problematic cis white man taking on the lesbian storyline, and I'm like, yes, there are instances where that where that is... I think it's valid, and obviously, this is my opinion. Right. I'm not trying to speak for anybody, but I just think you got to watch the whole movie and, like, prove to me that you actually understood the story before you start criticizing it. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it could really be rooted in the fact that she is labeled as a lesbian i feel like if she was identified as an asexual being and i hope i'm using the right term like just someone who's attracted not not through sexual attraction but just emotional attraction that maybe that would have solved some of the disputes that people are having because if she's a lesbian then it's like then why then why are you having him change her and like she you know like yeah then that's where all of these arguments come i don't think yeah i don't think you're wrong with that but also when people give me those kind of arguments i'm like you're not remembering 1997 mm. there's no fucking way they were gonna make a movie where she like we saw the trailer they didn't even use the word lesbian or gay in the entire trailer because it's a very hard sell in 1997 right. to even make for, for me or Max to put out a movie about gay people. Mm. So I just like, when we're looking at it through these lenses of 20 years later and they were like, why why didn't they uh, call her non-cis and be like, because nobody said that shit in 1997. Yeah. Like, you have to really, you know, like, you have to put yourself in the mindset of when something That's came true. out. And like, Ellen was scared to come out of the closet. She was world famous and she was too scared to tell people she was gay. I don't think we're getting an asexual main character in a fucking movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think this is way more nuanced than anyone would have expected for the time it came out. You have to kind of look in and think deeper. Like, they're actually telling us, she's actually literally telling us as a character and telling Holden in the movie why she chose him. Yes. And it's a sincere, like, you have to take her word for it. You can't make the decision, oh, you know, they made this character like this. Like, I think she put forward a valid explanation and it's her feelings like yeah. that's the movie if you don't like it don't watch the movie or turn it off yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. well anyway so yeah, i don't know i just wanted to add what you were saying um, i just i'm sorry we've brought this up on the podcast a lot but i can never understand how someone can get so frustrated unless a movie or whatever is literally telling people to hate other people and go out and kill people <laughs> who are not like you this is a story that is fictional. Why do you have to be so furious over it? I, I I don't know. Like this this isn't a movie that I see like influencing people in a wrong way. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, like it's, it's a story a and then between a little bit being a little misguided and being like actually hateful. Right. So uh okay, yes, I totally agree. Yeah. Um anyway, but, but yeah. that's interesting. That's but I'm so curious as to what you were gonna show me. Yes. So we do get a little bit of a follow up to what happens to these characters. Whoa. Because um, you know, Kevin Smith likes to connect all of his movies. So I'm actually surprised you didn't ask me this already because I kept telling you how <laughs> 
he like all his mo- characters keep showing up in future movies. You're right. And you didn't once be like, oh, do we ever see these guys again? <laughs> I'm so off my game today. Yeah. I'm like not asking you the right questions. So they, they come back twice. The first time, I'm not going to show you now. I'm going to show you off air because it's not, you don't learn anything new about these characters. So in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, the whole plot of that movie is that Jane Silent Bob learned that they're making a Hollywood movie out of Blood Man and Chronic. And in reality, they're not getting any likeness rights, so they really should be mad about that. But what they're actually mad about is when they go to talk to Holden about it because, you know, he has the rights to Blunt Man and Chronic. And Ben Affleck is playing Holden yeah, yeah, in this? Yeah. Nice. And uh, it's a funny scene and I'll show you, but you don't, like I said, it doesn't really further a lot of the story. It's it's really just the purpose of Jan Savo's Strike Back. Gotcha. And it's kind of funny because Ben Affleck shows them the internet for the first time and then they go to their first message board and it's a bunch of people being like, they're making a Blunt Man and Chronic movie. Jane and Bob are the biggest dumb fucks in the world. And then they get so mad that they have to go stop the movie just so people don't trash them on the internet. Oh. And so the whole plot of that movie is them trying to travel to Hollywood to stop the Blunt Man and Chronic movie. That's funny. So through that, you get a little you get a little bit of Holden Banky, but it, nothing further is their story. They're just there to propel this new story. Gotcha. And same thing when the movie ends, you see them all at the movie theater watching blood man and chronic the movie and then leaving the movie theater is a bunch of old characters from kevin smith movies so you oh. actually see Alyssa and her sister from mall rats leaving it like and talking about how dumb the movie was <laughs> but again it's more played for laughs like you That's don't fun. you don't learn anything she just comes out and goes like like you know like oh what a dumb fucking movie the typical male see, blah, blah, blah. i'm a huge fan of kevin smith because i feel like i brought up in a beyond the credits a lot that I wish these filmmakers would just create a universe yep. oh, yeah, where all of their characters did. are connected. And he's actually doing it. Yes. So I'm very happy about that. So <laughs> that was in 2001. So that wasn't even that much later. That was four years after this movie came out. Okay. Then everything went dormant for a long time until 2019, which was last year. Whoa. The Jane Silent Bob reboot, which uh, that's actually what I'm going to show you now. <gasps> and we're going to talk about what happens in that movie. So... Uh, sorry if you haven't seen it. Um, I will be honest with you. I don't like it. I think it's a pretty bad movie. Uh, watch it if you want. Woof. But the thing I'm going to show Masha is probably like the one little shining light in a movie that I don't think is very good. So yeah, maybe we'll put the timing of the, when the scene happens in the, in the description sure. so you listeners know what we're talking about. Yeah, it's also, yeah, it's like the only memorable part of the movie anyway. So Sweet. we'll go for it. back in action and if you want to watch what we just watched and are about to quickly discuss it is from jane silent bob reboot currently streaming on amazon prime obviously that's not going to make this evergreen one day it might not be (laughs) but if you ever get your chance to catch the movie you can basically just jump to one hour 10 minutes and six seconds and just watch from there uh and you'll get all the stuff that's a reference to chasing amy in this movie that was a lot of closure that i was not expecting yeah (laughs) (laughs) he calls it the uh the eight uh eight minute sequel to chasing amy wow <laughs> yeah that's so, yeah, crazy that was uh from jane silent bob reboot came out 2019 we basically yeah get a wrap up of holden and Alyssa's storyline in this one was this your favorite part of the movie because i know you didn't like it that much yeah it's like i it's not even favorite part it's like probably the only part i actually 
like at all. Uh, I, I really didn't like it at all. I see what you're saying about Kevin Smith not really acting like Silent Bob. He's like he's, there were he was Kevin Smith in that. Yeah, there were moments like little reactions of Silent Bob, but I totally get what you're saying. What you were saying, yeah, like he's just he was way he's way too expressive in this movie, and it just doesn't feel like yeah. And the funny part is he also is in the movie as himself, so he's Kevin Smith is already in the movie. Oh, playing Kevin Smith, Weird. so it's like. Like, it's just weird that he would also make Silent Bob more like his real self. Hmm. And also because I know everything about his real life, like the fact that Silent Bob is like now a vegan and all this, like those are all Kevin Smith's real traits. Uh... Silent Bob doesn't smoke cigarettes anymore because Kevin Smith's quit. So like he just blended too much of himself into the character where like now I just don't feel like I'm watching Silent Bob. I see. I just feel like I'm watching the guy I know who's Kevin Smith. Interesting. But yeah, so we get the little wrap up there where... Um, we and again spoilers for the movie if you haven't seen it yet Jane Silent Bob see Holden for the first time and he's basically lets them know even his professional career that they are rebooting Chasing Amy as a Netflix show yeah produced by Allie Alyssa Alyssa (laughs) so yeah we get we get a we get a uh, a reconnection of them and basically the the, the way that their story played out since the days of Chasing Amy is Holden did mature and they ended up becoming co-parents and fathering a kid together. Yeah. In, named, through in, vi- in vitro. Yeah, through in vitro. And that kid is named Amy. Yeah. And it's just like a nice little bow put on this whole story. What did you think of that? was not expecting that. It was kind of a fake out, a mini fake out for me because it took a little bit for them to reveal that they're not together. Yeah. I was like, oh, they're so cute. Yeah. And then, you know, a lady walked in. I was like, no. Nah! And, uh, and then the reveal about Amy. So I'm actually very happy with this. Yeah, I actually like that for an ending of Chasing Amy. And, well, I think what stayed true in this little sequel was the whole um, speech giving yeah. Because Ben Affleck had a mini speech here about him finally understanding you not how to not be self-centered and how Amy basically helped him change the change his life and not be the center of the s- story anymore. Exactly. So it it was nice to see how he's transformed by his experiences of being a father. Yeah. So I, I really like that. Yeah, I like the two. Um, and I like the mention of this being a story that should have been told by anybody but a sister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just basically him reacting to all the online uh, stuff. I see. So what I learned about this scene that was actually interesting is so he was writing this movie for a while and had it basically had the bare bones of the script going. And right when he was almost finished writing it is when he had his heart attack. And oh. almost died. Um, like he was really close to dying. Like like the doctor could can't believe that he didn't die. That's why that's he lost crazy. all that weight. Like that's why he went full vegan, lost all that weight. Like mm-hmm. you know, he just he completely changed his lifestyle after that. Right. But when he got out of the coma or coma, like out of the hospital and everything, he wanted to finish making this movie, but he was like he basically said he like looked at the script and he was like, Well, yes, I think this is funny and I'm excited to do this. If this very well could be the last thing I ever make in my career. Like mm-hmm. if I died just now, I would have been died in the middle of making this. And he was like, I want to I want to make it a little more personal than I than it would have. So he actually went and rewrote the script. And because of his heart attack, he ended up actually reconnecting with a lot of people in his life he lost touch with, including Ben Affleck. These two haven't oh. really talked in over ten years. Wow. They had a they had a fallen out um oh. uh, right right around the mid two thousands. 
like they never like publicly like talked shit about each other, but they just weren't friends anymore. Oh, that sucks. Okay, um, I've never really heard the exact reasons, but the way I've heard Kevin describe it, it was just like I talk a lot and I tell a lot of stories, and sometimes I forget how famous my friends are, um... and they don't always appreciate me running my fucking mouth on podcasts and shit. I and so see. I think he just might have told too much shit about Ben Affleck, and he was just like, "Yo, shut the fuck up." And like, then the know? two were those like the Batman, like the beginning of the Batman years for Ben. Uh, that was later. But oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. I can see how, no, regardless, yeah, like, it could affect his... Yeah, like, but, like they made Jersey Girl in 04, and then Ben has a very small cameo in Clerks 2, which was 06, mm-hmm. and then that was, like, the last time they worked together until I 2019. See. Wow. So, you know, Ben was one of the ones who reached out to him after he died, and they rekindled their friendship, and they apologized, and then he basically wrote this scene after the heart attack mm-hmm. that we just watched, and he wanted to because... You know, his daughter's in this movie. He puts his daughters in all his movies. He's yeah. very into his daughter. Like, he, like he like, loves his daughter so much. And so he decided to make this movie be about kind of that whole journey of a father. And because this whole, like, his daughter plays Jay's daughter in this movie. Mm. Um, so that's what the whole plot of this movie is them chasing after Jay's daughter. And so he just wanted to put a little more heart into it. And then, like, I'm just like, after I heard that, I heard that before I saw the movie. So I was like, ooh, this is going to be really good. And I really liked the scene, but I was like, man. Kind of wish he just rewrote the whole movie. Oh, damn. Again. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it just, like, like that, the tone and the feeling and the heart that was in that scene doesn't match the tone of the rest of the movie, even by a long shot. Mm. Like, when you watch the whole movie, it stops dead in its tracks for that emotional moment. (laughs) And it works as an emotional moment on its own, but when you watch the whole movie, you're just like... I just watched way too much stupid shit to even give a fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like about about Jay reconnecting with his daughter and all that shit. Yeah. And then the other little fun bit that I learned about it was um, playing Holden and Alyssa's daughter is Jay's real daughter because his real life story of kicking the drugs and and find like you know he had a daughter recently mm-hmm. and you know she's very young and so like he they cast her as as that role as well Aww. to kind of make, give it a more of an emotional moment that's sweet so that was jay's daughter jay i was surprised to see jay i know everyone's gotten older obviously but like i wasn't i didn't had no idea what he was gonna look like yeah i mean he doesn't look great yeah but he somehow his still enti- has like that youthfulness in his like voice yeah his voice <laughs> is the same yeah but his face just looks worn unfortunately and you could tell almost all those are fake teeth mm, oh uh, really oh yeah he lost it all to heroin and oh all that god stuff. Like, why do people do this um oh it's really sorry. sad but you know i mean they, he's been very open uh on stage about it and him and kevin have talked about it a ton so i don't feel like i'm like being salacious here saying mm. that kind of shit um i'm very glad he even uh, wrote and directed a movie last year i haven't seen oh, it snap. but um yeah he's like really trying to you, you know, know all that stuff i said all that stuff i said at, at the beginning of the podcast about them always being at comic cons i'm now realizing was probably marketing for this movie <laughs> uh Unlo- may, i don't know I don't they're know. always because no they were doing speaking again like they did a whole 10 years of a show called jane silent bob got old and it's just the two of them on stage doing oh, okay. Q&As as old men all right maybe you I'll. know just to be like we don't make movies anymore blah blah blah, blah. um but yeah, so I figured that would be a fun way to do beyond the credits. I like that. When we actually get closure from the creators. Yeah, so there was closure and yeah, I wasn't going to come up with anything that was kind of a little nicer than that. So I think that was a very sweet. I appreciate that beyond the credits. Yeah. Even as much as I wanted them to be together, at least they both found happiness yeah. and can still share exactly. love in a different way. I dug it. I dug it. Yeah. Man, we just we talked a lot about this. <laughs> Um, so before I ask a very important question, so Masha, I did pick this movie for a couple of reasons other than my own enjoyment of it. 
Mm. Um, I knew we were going rom-com, so even though this wasn't a traditional rom-com, I was just no, it hoping, was not. I was hoping the genre itself would just kind of get you into it. Um, a lot of what I'm going to say here is repeats of what you said up top, and I've heard you say it before in the past a thousand times that you've always wanted to see Joey Lauren Adams in more projects, mm-hmm. and like I think this is the best performance she's, I've ever seen her do. I haven't seen everything, but like this is if I was ever someone who wanted to show you what she's capable of, I would show her this show you this movie. I knew you were going to be delighted by the character of Hooper X. Um, <laughs> I just I just knew that was going to be a pleasant surprise for you. And I actually kind of thought you knew about all the gay stuff in this movie. <laughs> so I was actually surprised to know you didn't. No. But I, I figured that would have been something that caught, brought you in just because, like you said, in the 90s, we weren't getting a lot of that. So it's a lot more unique when it does happen and when it's done right. somewhat tastefully. But then, yeah, other than that, I mean, it's just, it's got that that kind of, not realistic, but that kind of like you feel like everyone's actually friends, kind of like that di- naturalistic dialogue that they have with each other. And great performances. All in all, I just, I think the, yeah, the surprising the subject matter, how funny it is, and that you've already had a little taste of Kevin Smith, and that I could sell you in on all this universe building stuff, which you also seem to be really into. Those were all reasons why I kind of picked this and was hoping that you would love it too, but I could be a Holden and sit here and sulk and wonder about it, <laughs> or I can just be straight up and ask you, Masha, mm. do you love what I love? I love it. Good points. Good points. <laughs> I do freaking love Hooper. He's my favorite character of all time, I think. Like, he's really top five. <laughs> yeah, I love that last week for Wag the Dog, you were like, Dustin Hoffman, probably one of the five best characters ever made in that movie. <laughs> so, so I've now given you two out of the best five characters you've ever seen in film history. Yo, I just said this today, but like my top five is has like 20 things in it every time I say top five. But yes, I love Hooper. I do love all the characters in this movie. I'm pleasantly surprised as I, as I usually am with the movies that you show me about what the movie's about uh-huh. and just how it unfolds. So I, I do appreciate, you know, for, especially for a Kevin Smith film, because I know he does, like we talked about earlier in the pop in the podcast, a lot of content that's mostly catered to like teenage boys. I do appreciate a story like this that really is layered and gets you. I, I think the reason this, podcast episode is so long is because it inspires discussion and i really like that and i think that's why our episode is so long yeah what i do love and it's not from anything that we watch but from what you've told me is that added layer of this movie and the story being an apology of sorts between kevin smith to joey yeah i i was unsure about what my answer would be but i think (laughs) i think that is sort of pushing me over to the mm. loving this movie. So um, you do? Yeah. <laughs> ah, got him. Got him. Ah, I, I was. Got him. I was not. Like, I knew I would enjoy the movie, but honestly, when you threw it on, I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to enjoy it, but I'm not going to love this movie. And just. I don't know, maybe it's the element of surprise and just the unexpected, but there were just so many things thrown at me. And just knowing that this is such a beautifully crafted apology and interesting way to sort of examine why you feel uncomfortable about something and why you sort of were the reason for a failed relationship. 
Mm-hmm. And the fact that he the fact that he had his own reasons but was able to craft a new sort of angle out of it and bring all of these new elements to it, I think was so creative. And on top of that, like we said, the blending of the universes I'm obsessed with. You know, like not just to do it to do it, but when you create interesting characters um, and then have those characters interact with each other through different projects is so interesting. Like, I don't know. I am. I really love this movie. (laughs) And I will say, I think I don't think I'm going to watch any other Kevin Smith movies, (laughs) but Chasing Amy and Jersey Girl, I think, are going to be like my top two for sure. Like they really tug at the heartstrings. Everybody hates Jersey Girl. For real? Oh, man. It's like it's one of his most universal. I cried during that movie. I know. Me too. I love Jersey Girl. (laughs) I don't know what people's problem is, man. It's not. It's such a simple movie, but like it nails it. Like it's like that movie hits me on the heartstrings every time. That's really surprising. And I don't know, maybe it's Ben Affleck too. Um, But like Joey, Ben, and freaking My Name is Earl. Jason Lee. Now I'm like, should I watch more Jason Lee movies? (laughs) Like what? Is he in more movies? Yeah, but not like... I mean, honestly, his other most famous thing is being in like all five of those fucking chipmunk movies. Oh, right. So I don't know. I I don't think there's another... Outside of Mallrats, because he's huge yeah. in that. Like, like, I don't know. I can't think of another movie uh, where he's like. I'm glad he got to cash a check in My Name is Earl, because that went for a few seasons, I think. Yeah, it was like a five-seasoner. Yeah, but I really enjoyed him in this movie as well. Um, So, yeah, that's my answer. That Good job. Awesome. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Sick. Okay, folks, that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have the time, take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. Seriously. I'm Masha. And I'm Andy, and I hope you love what I love.